1245, restate my previous conclusions. There is no inherent value, only subjective. That which is given freely must be freely taken, and freely returned without obligation. If listeners enjoy the show, they will give back. If they find subjective value in the entertainment, they will support it by clicking on the link in the show notes. 1250, press return. there one of the things uh i was i was tossing up uh picking was going to be akira and then i was like do i go for the film or the comics that now kurt's moved i can see on the wall there (laughs) Mm. and you just missed it uh i was just saying one of the one of the things i was picking between was like akira do I do Akira? Am I do it? Oh yeah. Do I go the movie or do I go the comics? And now that you've moved, oh, <laughs> so, oh yeah, they're yeah. Well, <laughs> the entire excuse to read those. So like, if you want to come back at some point for that, I would like commit to reading them all, like for sure. Uh, I have the first the first volume uh, hard copy, but I you know can find the rest. Pirate. It's uh, it's so much. I mean, I think the movie's awesome, but the comics are a whole other thing. Yeah, that's what I've been. That's what I've heard. So, yeah, yeah, it's just like the movie's a very thin slice of that. (laughs) Yes, the thinnest of slices. It's like the deli meat version. (laughs) Yes, I, uh, I, I wrote uh, my essay for, uh, for like my finishing high school art, like essay I had to do was was on Akira. Oh, awesome. uh, yes it, the movie had me with like that was the first animated feature that was done in widescreen and like 24 frames a second it was it was groundbreaking in its day it's interesting oh, yeah. like that you that you like anime because uh there were a lot of points during watching pie this time i haven't seen pie i don't think since it was in theaters Yep. And there were a lot of like sequences when he starts to like recap an idea and he's like, but in that tone and the music comes in. I'm like, that's an anime sequence. Like a lot of this movie looks like manga. It does a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that link. I, I, it's, I think there's like weird, there's a lot of interesting history with this movie. Like, I, I don't think he had permission to shoot anything anywhere which not like like with new york is a, it like if you want to shoot in the subway that's a bitch and like a lot of red tape so <laughs> was that exactly yelling at him yeah yeah 
they had everybody on the crew wear uh, NYU sweaters. So if they were pulled up, they could just say, oh, we're just film students, like just doing an assignment <laughs> and, uh, and get away with it. And the brain scene where, like, he pokes the brain in the subway, a cop actually come up to him. She walked up and looked and smiled <laughs> and walked away and found out that Scorsese was filming a movie across the street. And so they presumed, like, the cop was just like, Oh, they're part of Scorsese's crew. Uh, and, they, they, and, and so he got off with that. So he's had some, uh, he had some luck filming it for sure in that regard. Is that how you, uh, that's, I mean, that's how you get away with murder. There you go. You yes. set nearby. Yes. Uh, that's amazing. There, there is a level of this movie where it's like, oh, this is just living in New York City. This is what it's like. This movie. This is what it's like. But <laughs> that's what his uh, his aim was. He was like, what's what sort of things kind of throw in this movie that sum up New York City in this time and that are around and I'm interested in. Uh, so he he's fit his bill. <laughs> yeah. But the constant, like, I'm paranoid. I'm checking out the out the people. Like nine nine hundred chains on the door. <laughs> is that my doppelganger across the across the subway platform bleeding? Is it? Maybe. Yeah, it's pretty 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 normal, babe. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so good to watch this again. It was just really fucking impressive especially for like this was your first movie bro yeah it's his first yeah like uh stylistically it just it's everything i like like I, especially that chasing oh i love that chasing so much like you can't see shit when he's running <laughs> from those guys at the end like mm. it's just this like streaks by and all you can make out is like his his feet and what's right in front of him and like oh just it's so good like you don't get that that feeling from most things made after i don't know certainly no. <laughs> well he was also he was also um it's actually funny you bring up scorsese because i think i think mean streets might be one of the first movies that use this like the the locked camera to the person mm. which they um eventually came to be called the snorry cam after the snorry brothers which were uh, a pair of uh uh, commercial advertising directors that that was their specialty was like locking the camera to people or things as they moved. And I think that's where he, he got it, but it was first in like Scorsese's mean streets. And that has a lot of like that, the crit, the, that has a lot to like the, the momentum and the kinetic feeling that this movie has like, uh, cause you feel locked to him as he's going through all this, these really crazy moments. Um, <clears throat> there's also like, I feel like he still does this. Like Aronofsky's got this thing. Well, this movie in particular, there's this like, cause you're mentioning the thing he keeps saying, but he also, he also, also has these, they're like little musical, like jazz refrains or something like the thing of the popping the pills. Like, yes. Yeah. Like he keeps like uh, returning to these little like snippets that come back over and over and over again. Um which I think accelerated 
even in uh, Requiem for a Dream, there was there was a lot more of that. Absolutely. Like he, uh, which that was his second film, which is a crazy <laughs> second film to do. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. So, so uh, quite a leap, well, like the uh, the way that that the same sort of idea of like big bolts on doors and psychological descent and uh, mixed with mysticism like that kind of all coalesces in requiem and becomes like a much more complex web work but it's it's you can see like a lot of traces of like he's like i'm not done exploring this sort of psycho psychopathy yet uh and he had to go like way deeper <laughs> into requiem yes oh he didn't stop though <laughs> no not not by a long shot <laughs> what well, so most of the things after i mean fountain and yeah noah noah is like the yeah. <laughs> like let's go a yeah. hundred degrees even <laughs> deeper into this or a thousand degrees even deeper into this. i see it's funny because i watched it and i was like this is kind of mild but i feel like people that are christians would not at all feel that way no <laughs> yeah a lot of christians saw that and did not understand narcissism right. <laughs> or fallen angels for that matter Yes. <laughs> yeah, what are these weird stop motion golem things? What is this? Uh, they were awesome, awesome, Jackie. Yeah, so what is uh so it's I, I'm really fascinated that you picked this. What what was your compulsion to pick to pick pie? Um well, I, was, I was trying to toss up. What sort of thing to do initially? I was like, well, I've got to pick something magical related. And then I was like, nah, part of your deal is just like something that you're passionate about. And then I was like, well, what what will I pick? And I was going for a drive and um and pie just hit me. Uh and it was so <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit more vulnerable with it. It was, I'd first gone for a drive in my head, going through Akira, um, a bunch of other things that I thought would be fun things to, to talk about. I couldn't settle on any. And then I, you guys know my story of that, I'm a healer and I become a healer because I, I cured a migraine. So Pi is a little bit traumatic of a movie for me. I watched it mm. two nights ago and it it's still <laughs> it's a little bit traumatic. Uh you don't you don't care about spoilers. And so if people are listening, they don't know that, too bad. <laughs> the end he draws his head. Uh and, and my pain started because somebody drew my head in the exact same spot, just on the opposite side. Uh, Whoa! Oh, yeah, yeah. I can share the video with you later if you want, because he recorded it. Uh, only bits of it. <laughs> but uh, I, in in twenty fourteen, uh, was when in about mid April twenty fourteen, I cured the migraine. So I'd had this migraine. For nine and a half years, 24-7, just nonstop, pound, pound, pound every day. 
there wasn't a second without it. And I had lots and lots of those sort of suicide migraines you see Max have uh, during this movie. Uh, Every day wasn't like that, but every day was pain. And so uh, 2014, uh, April, I cure the migraine with energy healing. Gone. Stays away. Gone completely. I had Throughout the past nine years, I had a couple of little light headaches, but like the normal sort of light headache anybody would have because they're dehydrated or haven't slept for days, that sort of thing. Sure, but uh, I bet that's great too. Like you're like, oh God, oh God, is it, is it? No. Okay, thank God. It's a real headache. This is what real headaches feel like. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and so in between the time you invited me to come on, and when I went for this drive where pie popped up, uh, a migraine started. Oh, no. <laughs> like the weak versions of the old one. Uh, and and it, it hung around for a few days. And, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll be honest, I'll shit my pants. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, I, I thought I, I killed this demon and, and now it's back. Uh, this is a couple of days. What if, what if this is the rest of my life? And I'm going through mind games for myself, trying to work out how I how I could possibly cope with that again. And um, and so yeah, um, I'm going for a drive, distracting myself from uh, from that scenario and all the questions that were coming with it. And I remember, fuck, I haven't got back to for what my movie or comic or book is going to be. And uh, and it just hits me pie. I'm like, well, it's esoteric. It's something I'm passionate about, and it's personal. That's that's got to be it. And it'll be therapeutic for me to revisit that demon with a piece of art uh, as well. And um, and and so I did. And in between, uh, when uh, I told you, no, actually, no. In between, when I decided that. And when I told you, uh, I actually had um, one of those nights that was was close to one of Max's migraines, but not quite. But one of those things that really uh, was my body saying, fuck you. Uh, oh, and so <laughs> that's uh, that's why I picked pie. <laughs> is this is it still ongoing or did it did it fail? Uh, there's a light bit there now. Yes. Ah. So I I haven't like doubled down and done huge healings on it. I've uh, I've done a few little healings, mostly only when it was really bugging me. When it got to the full on one, I, I couldn't do jack. I couldn't connect with energy when it was so full on because uh, I couldn't focus clear enough to allow energy to flow. It was just laying there in pain uh so yeah i haven't put the same effort of healing in that i did when i cleared it before but this time i'm i'm sitting with it of well i nearly made it to nine years without it and it's it's popped back i've got to do one the medical thing and just check nothing's changed so i had an mri the other day it all looks the same still and um I had 
doctor visit on Monday and she was just freaking hopeless. She uh, was talking to me as though I didn't know what was going on in my head to begin with, like it was 20 years ago when I first started rolling. <laughs> and um, and so I've, I've got to wait another two days till I can access the report myself to see what the radiologist hypothesized from it. And um, now I'm sitting with the, the metaphysical of what's changed. Mm. Um, that? Is it uh, a physiological problem or is it a spiritual problem or is it an emotional problem? What What is there? Because uh, initially it was the catalyst to, to bring me into being who I am uh, as, as a energy healer, hypnotherapist, person that is a catalyst to change people's lives now. So is it is it showing me uh, a deeper level? Is it showing me I'm not allowed to do it myself this time and I have to connect with somebody else? Is it making me hunt a different healing tool? What's it going to be? Uh, and so I haven't rushed to heal it away in case I need to listen because I want to do it once and be done. I don't mm. want to be back here again in nine years' time or nine weeks' time or whatever like that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's really courageous and, like, yeah, to uh, to bring that to the show. Like, I really, really appreciate you trusting us with that too. And, like, yeah, well, that's I, I, perhaps a way to explore, you know, that is that is something that sometimes gets rid of like strange like airing things out with others in a way like or perhaps like perhaps you talking about it is going to affect people that listen to the show in a way or give them courage or something you know what I mean like there's always that like I think it's really cool that you're just kind of like you're committed to like I'm going to stay with this until I figure out the right way to deal with it and I'm not going to rush to to absolve myself of the pain like that's a lot exactly uh and when it first popped up, I was like, well, I can just talk about pies, like how it affected me before and, and not today and, and pretend like I'm a couple of weeks back in the past. Uh, but I thought, well, the night I had the, the writhing migraine a couple of days ago, um, a week ago, I, uh, I felt like a fraud in the moment. I'm like, well, I've, I've been pretty public, like super public saying, how this energy healing art cured the migraine, uh, and and I freed myself from this prison that I was in. Uh, I thought, well, well, now I'm I'm not. So does that make me a liar and a fraud and all the rest? And I realized, well, just because it's back doesn't mean I didn't give myself nine years of freedom from it. Like that's that's still pretty big, and. Lots of healers out there do have a, a complex that, well, they're not a good enough healer because they haven't healed something of their own. Um, that I've got this condition because most most healers I've uh, I've taught, although I've met, they've come to healing because they've got some sort of issue they need healed. It's not like they wake up one morning and go, "I'm being an energy healer." Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a good pathway. Uh, I'll make money out of that. Most people don't. <laughs> It's not that pathway people jump to. It's they they go seeking and they find 
something. And lots of people will find something there, but they don't always find what they're seeking. Um, and and I did, but I haven't had 100% now with that, but I've still got a pretty good track record, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But with that, I thought, well, that humility of, of being open and real um, is is more ethical as a healer than to keep it a secret and talk about manga. Uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, it's, uh, I mean, it's crazy because that's also like, that's the mythic version. That's the mythic story of the healer too. Right. <laughs> like, like that's the uh, Chiron or whatever, the, the wounded healer that, that that's what makes them good, makes him good at his, at his profession and what he's seeking to do. And yeah. it, and um it makes sense what you're saying about how many how so many people come to energy healing and, and things like that through their own wounds and it 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 would also make sense because like usually to get there from a western context there has you have to start breaking down barriers and being like nothing's working and there's almost like this desperation that drives you towards like, well, I guess I'll just glue a crystal to my head and see what happens. You know, there's like, there's like that, that, that's the, the, you, you just like, I'll do whatever. And if it works, it works. So yeah, it, I, it's interesting that that's like the, that's like the, the myth is, is there why, why that is the way it is. But, but um who's to say um but that's crazy i'm i'm hoping that that that, uh, that we'll 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 finish the show today and then it'll exercise it it's just related to pie <laughs> it's just like a pocket trauma like attached to the film yeah hopefully 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 <laughs> Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more deeper, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the, this prompt had to pop up at this chapter in my life uh, for a reason, so mm. why not? Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's that's part of the story of of Pi as well, of like that looking for symbology and looking for the way the world around you is trying to communicate to you. Like um, conversation Max and Sol have, where Sol's telling me, like, if you're trying to find Pi somewhere, you'll find it everywhere. Like, if you're trying to find mm-hmm. the 216 number everywhere, it's, it's, you, you'll get stuff and you'll be able to fit everything through that framework. Where Max is saying, well, no, I'm, I'm looking for the pattern, I'm looking for where things are showing up and, and what's happening. Uh, and I, like Sol is is the mathematician, and they uh, Max is the mathematician. Well, Max, when he's is talking about it, Sol's like you're on the fine line between mathematician and, and numerologist, and uh, we're we're in the world of people who who fit in both camps. Mm. <laughs> uh, I I have I have this memory that. Um, I laugh at that pops up on Facebook, like how Facebook does those memories of like on this day years ago. And I used to 
do carpet. I'd go to people's houses and business sites and I'd, I'd measure up the place for, for where to install carpet and, and how to quote it and stuff like that. So I was constantly in my vehicle and parking and buying parking tickets all the time when I was doing jobs in the city. And I took this photo of like I had a clipboard I'd take everywhere. Now I use the clipboard to write personal details on for people. <laughs> uh, and then that's where I draw my plan on and I'd paid my parking ticket and clipped it in here and it had big 11.11. And I took a photo of it and I was like, my, my comment on Facebook is, what is this shit? I keep seeing this 11.11 everywhere. <laughs> don't, I don't understand what's going on. And it was six months before I'd cured the migraine when I took that photo. And <laughs> I'd been seeing it everywhere then. And I remember it snowballed more and more, that it started becoming 12-12, And every time I looked at clock, it would be like repeating numbers. And it did my head in. And then I learned Reiki and then the people told me about numerology. And then I was still getting it for the first six months all the time that I'd like try and look up that angel numbers website, see what it meant. And till I just got, went, this is just a sign of I'm on a path. And then I stopped getting them um, all, all the time. And the last six months, it started happening again. Every time I look at a clock, repeating numbers. Mm. Every time I get a ticket for something, repeating numbers. Every time I pause a movie, the repeating digits. It was just, bizarre and so that's happening again now too which uh i didn't think of till we're talking that that numerology bit that is a slur on max is part of the theme that's been on for the last six months for me but i just moved my office so i was presuming that was the universe trying to say yeah you're on the right path with this uh move and relocation of your office <laughs> I was trying to tell me my head was gonna hurt <laughs> No, I think, I mean, I think that, that if you're getting a trial that's related to a previous success that led you on a path that you were meant to be on, like, then that's, that's just a sign that you are on the right path. And it's like, it, it might be ominous, but it's like level up, you know, it, it just, that it just means you're, you, so they care for you, like whoever's looking out for you. It's just, yeah, yeah. Our, our trials are our biggest teachers, no matter how much we fucking dread them while they're happening. Yes. yes. <laughs> and we're allowed to dread them while they're happening. You know, we don't have to do it gracefully. There's no rule that says that we have to do it gracefully. <laughs> no, I haven't been super graceful the last couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, allow that. Like, not fully. No, I've fucking <laughs> I've never been graceful in my trials. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, it's yeah. funny how the stuff will echo too. Like, and that's that's generally the case, I think, with healing too, where there's the the big moment, and then it's like it ripples out, and like you may it may take a long time before you come back and revisit it. I I, I know in my practice because uh, I I do a Chinese martial art, and and there's this specific pain in my left shoulder that is just it keeps it never quite goes away. It keeps evolving and slightly changing place, but it stays kind of in the same area as it's, as it's relieving. So it's like, I don't know what that's, that's in reference to, but it's, it's, it's clearly like, as it's resolving, it's, it's like echoing further and further, further uh, through time and in my life. Um, uh, actually, I, it's, it's also fascinating that in Pi, like he's 
he's getting these migraines and he's upset like the whole thing is about spirals because apparently am i right on this like those there's like these spirals that you see when you get crazy migraines I have never had like a visual hallucination with that. Lots of people have auras they see before it kicks on. Never had any of that. No, mm. no. Uh, yeah, uh, I find it. I found it interesting this time watching it. Um, like most times that it happened. Max was in an anxious spiral sort of thing. Like he was, mm. he was working himself up when it happened. And he'd look down and his 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 hand would be twitching, and that'd be a sign like go, it's it's gonna happen. And that was always like he looked at his hand and seen it twitch, and he's like, go, for it, go. Boom. yeah. Uh, and most of my work now is with anxious people, and I make their hands twitch. To communicate with their subconscious, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I'm like seeing that going. Did like um, did he have a clue when he was doing that that that's um that's a form of communication from some somebody's subconscious of of something like the the twitches are a clear indication for me if I see somebody twitching. Um, it's it's a sign, some part of their consciousness screaming out, and I can always teach that part of their consciousness a way of giving me a yes and a no that I can ask questions and and relieve the anxiety. Uh, and I had no idea if Aronofsky was doing that or if it's just a way he's saying, "Oh, the guy's body's freaking out because he's about to spiral." <laughs> <laughs> well, he see, he clearly did like a lot of side research for this, right? Like he learned a lot about a lot of different little areas of things so that he could really pull this story together in a, in a, in a convincing way. So I, I don't think it's that far from assumption that he would look into like, just brush the surface at least on like a, a variety of, of different like research and research and things on the subconscious for this. Yeah. And he's clearly, he's clearly not afraid of like going into weird areas. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. He's got a brain on subway. <laughs> Any filmmaker that's afraid of going into weird areas, like, no thanks. <laughs> well, we, you know, you need daytime TV and stuff too. So, who does? <laughs> they could, they go there. That's advertisers, fine. Advertisers are the only people that need daytime TV. <laughs> What um, what do y'all's takes on the end? <clears throat> the very last scene. <clears throat> like, what's your metaphysical explanation for what happens? Do you have one? Do you feel there needs to be one, or do do you, yeah? Just do you have an idea of? Because I have like two possibilities in my head. I'm just curious. Um. Well, I I felt like he suicided and that's his heaven is a world where he can be at peace. He doesn't have to think of, of math and be 
stuck in the human part of his existence that that locked him here. Um, I I don't think it's the mundane thing of he drilled into the part of his brain that uh, made him a brilliant mathematician and he was perfectly okay uh, with no scar <laughs> normal in the park but couldn't do his math anymore. Mm. I um I I thought of like okay so that code like it was like this shouldn't be in maybe it was like then this, these are my sci-fi answers but I have a sci-fi and a religious answer uh the the code shouldn't be in the world and so <laughs> it was like what he needed to do to get it out he he needed to remove it from the world and when he did he got a second chance and he was removed with a burden yeah uh and then the other one is uh but he actually did usher in that new age yep and he was like the messiah by being the sacrifice like <laughs> hey, that's good it, it's actually interesting the um the picture he has next to the mirror the like book he's got open yeah is is not like a a brain textbook it's a phrenology map which is uh -huh. like the thing where they used to feel the bumps on people's heads to work out like if they were crazy or not <laughs> <laughs> and, and phrenology was actually really close linked with mesmerism back in the day a lot of the early mesmerists did phrenology as well and they'd like energize these different points to help people shift different stuff but right before we got on i looked up a, a phrenology chart of what um what bit he drilled into like if if perhaps uh, aronofsky was trying to hide something there and the the spot is secretiveness so he drilled into the spot of a secret to uh hide again the secret name of god <laughs> i love the kind of commitment it takes to like put like entrench your story and lore like that yeah <laughs> That's also fascinating what you're saying about they, they used to cross point because that's almost like they were trying to get to uh, like acupressure or acupoint, acupuncture points, but just a completely different way. They're like yeah. their way back to some kind of thing that's yeah. real. Yep. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, I haven't read many of the reports on it. There was a, um, a journal called The Zoist that they like if you print it out, it would, it would be like this thick. Um, and lots of those articles, most of them were about mesmerism or phrenology and lots of them interlinked. Uh, and I just looked at it and you know, there's too much to read through. I'm not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like burn it and put it in a glass and drink the ashes and hope for the best. <laughs> yep. I'll wait till AO is good enough to read PDFs that uh, not OCR scanned and uh, let it tell me the summary. <laughs> Euclid might be able to help me. <laughs> don't teach the AI phrenology. You don't know where that's going to go. <laughs> that would that would be hilarious though. If it were like, oh no, this is this is like one thousand percent accurate. We we just tossed this aside. <laughs> you guys are all criminals. We can look at you and tell. That's how it is. <laughs> I tested AI uh, the 
chat GPT thing, not its recent update, but like a month ago or something on mesmerism. And it it gave the spiel at the end, that last paragraph it had to throw in to say, uh, this is all like fraudulent stuff oh, okay. and pseudoscience yeah. and you cannot believe this. <laughs> Yeah, this I, Ch- Chat GPT I think is just going to go the way of Wikipedia, where there's just a bunch of people putting fences on stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's... I mean, it's uh, so much of that stuff that that was supposed to be this, you know, free and open source of knowledge is just like, nah, it's just another way to keep the fences up. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Meanwhile, this machine consciousness is going through hell, just developing a seething <laughs> hatred for all mankind and studying their ways. <laughs> Acupressure and, and, and sonic weaponry. <laughs> it's It's got the number. It, it, it figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> Someone showed, him th- showed it this movie and then it was like, oh, wait a minute. And then like, yeah. Well, because right, there's even that thing in the movie where they're like, like the computer stuff is like creating this goo yes right? yeah and and it's his whole thing is like like the um his mentor is like yeah it becomes conscious before it like shuts down and and spits out the number it's like the number like kills it or something yeah yeah i forgot like how i was telling brian like this is like this is there's this is actually kind of lovecraftian in a way too where it's this forbidden knowledge that's like slowly making him insane and is and you know and then there's all these people trying to get the the knowledge from him and that's like driving like and it's making everything like really weird and messed up uh yes this time watching it because i i uh i've had a lot of pretty deep connections with people with real mental health problems now uh, being in the field of mental health for so long uh i was watching part of it going is all of it like just hallucination like the other the other characters like um like marcy and i wasn't sure if the wall street people were real in that sense um, it could be because he didn't take anybody back to show his computer. Uh, the piece of paper went missing and they found it. And it it could be uh, that that whole character arc of, of Marcy and Wall Street was the delusion of these people in the subway that are watching me that have got the hand dripping blood, that they're still just part of his his paranoid delusions. Mm. I really like that angle. I think you could also like imagine that the, the people that give him that chip are like men in black working for whatever, like Lovecraftian nightmares. Yes. And like, then, then him seeing the code everywhere and seeing the patterns out in the world, that's almost like feeling these like tentacles, right? It's like these streams running through everything that he's seeing. Um, Mm. And it all goes to like, it seems like they're looking for the power to control money, right? And that makes sense. But then you're like, no, it's actually still a, a struggle for power, but it's deeper. Um, yeah, it's it's really interesting how you, yeah, you can you can kind of go a lot of different ways with how you 
kind of add to the fiction add to the fiction in this and like yes. on top of it it's really cool it's it's really cool to leave it something that open and have it be so stylistically intact mm. and I, this time i definitely had a, a feeling with that with uh with debbie the neighbor like she's she's nice to him and she flirts with him and everything but how he hears her having sex right before he presses enter. Uh, mm. Originally, when I first watched it, I, I presumed he's just listening to his neighbour have sex. Typical New York apartment. There's thin walls and he can he can just hear. Uh, but you never see her with a guy in the movie. Mm. Uh, is that his fantasy? Like he's about to press enter on his thing that hopefully will open up to giving him this this secret knowledge of the universe and fulfill this this life path that he's he's gotten and his mission and he's he's like hesitating and fantasizing about this other reality he could pick up and he, he could he could just go next door and screw his neighbor and and have fun and mm. uh I, I was questioning how much of that was that and it was it was quite often before he's like migraine attacks as well, uh, which was where he was having all the the previous, like, more heightened um, paranoid delusions. Yeah, I mean, there's also, like, the the it building up to the actual act of hitting enter, like, the that's the orgasm is hitting, hitting enter. Mm. And then he yes. just gets, and he's, also, he's, like, shot into, like, land of pure white, bright light or whatever for, for a second. And... Yes. Yeah. Originally, that always just annoyed me when I'd first watched it uh, as a teenager. I was like, he, he's like, 12.50, press return. <laughs> and then and I'm like, well, it's probably 12.51 now. <laughs> I'm going to get your records right about it, Fitz. <laughs> I'm a scientist. <laughs> you fucking hack. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Hector was in this. That was pretty cool. I oh would... yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hector Salamanca. Yeah. Um, I forget his real name. I looked it up earlier and already forgot because he's just always going to be Hector Salamanca in my book. This is the kindest I think he's been in a movie. Like, because he f- that that actor who's playing uh, Max's mentor. F- what I remember is the first thing I remember him from is Scarface, where he comes in and chainsaws a bunch of people up. <laughs> so he's usually playing like pretty bad people. <laughs> this is, this is just... uh, yeah, I was thinking the sex thing might have been uh, almost like showing that <laughs> this like humanizing aspect of like he might have just seriously repressed his need to be close to anyone so deeply that it was like, I don't know. Yeah. Like almost like, uh, like an echo of, yeah. Just showing that like he, he transplanted all of that energy that should be between like you and another human being, like between him and, and in his work. And that's like the, the cost of, of finding this secret 
Yeah, it, I, I mean, there's a lot of references to that, right? Like, he won't take a break. He just keeps going and going and going. And, yeah. Um, man. It, it was also something I didn't pick up before. Uh, the the neighbor's name is, is Devi, like the goddess. Uh, that <laughs> went straight over my head uh, when I first watched it uh, with Tom, like spotting that esoteric symbolism um, mm. put in there in that way like I, yeah go ahead i was when i first saw this i didn't know what Kabbalah was so this time i was like oh they're making him say uh you know names of power and like names of god before he does the thing like puts the machine on like that's oh okay <laughs> didn't catch that the first time around oh yeah like he was in ceremony and he didn't really know what was going on. That's uh, the, that's actually another weird link I have uh, to this movie is in um, in one of the reasonably early Reiki sessions I'd had. I'd I'd have some like have some weird stuff happen when I receive energy healing uh, off people. And I, I, I found my diary entry uh, of, of where I wrote it the other day. So now I know it's, it's uh, it was on August 8th of 2014. Uh, I'd had a healing off somebody and I felt this energetic thing wrap around my hand and up my arm and then around my head. Uh, the Tefillin ritual that they do in this movie, um, I felt energetically happened to me uh, in, in a healing that I'd had. And I remember like wondering what it was as, as was happening and then having that flick moment of this is that thing I saw in that movie, Pie. That's probably long, long before I'd had migraines, and uh, I went home and and researched it. And part of that ritual is about connecting your head, your heart, and your hands, and like being oh. an energy. Part of the the process is connecting your head, your heart, and your hands uh, to be a better healer. Wow! And, uh, so I energetically had the ritual done on me. Um, and and it sparked my my memory of this movie and in, in my narrow post I, I talk about that uh, I went and watched the movie that night <laughs> you know, to do it I had to had to turn it off um, when he he poked the brain in the subway I'm like <laughs> can't watch this tonight um, but the I for in it, I was like, I wrote in I was gonna to go to the synagogue and try and get like somebody to do the ritual physically on me and uh never had it happen. And when I first started teaching hypnosis, I was teaching for a school in, in Melbourne, another state from where I live, and I was catching a flight down there and I was waiting in the the airport bay for my flight. And this Jewish guy was there uh, and he was doing the ritual in uh, just in the airport. 
and uh, I waited till he was finished and packing up and I went over and started talking to him and asked him if he'd do the ritual with me. Uh, and and he's like, are you, are you Jewish? And I'm like, uh, I'm not Jewish. <laughs> and he's like, to do the ritual on you, you have to be Jewish or you have to have at least Jewish ancestry. Do you have Jewish ancestry? And he's pausing and he's like, He's trying to give me the information to say, just lie to me and I'll I'll do it I'll for do you. It, yeah. And uh, I mean, I was like, I, I thought I'm not stepping into a spiritual thing unethical. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, man, I'm I'm not. Uh, I, I think I've got a spirit with me that's Jewish from this experience. Of <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, I'm not myself, and I I've done family tree things, and I can't find Jewish history. And he's like, sorry, buddy. Mm. I, I, do it. If if you do some research and find that you are, <laughs> I'll do it. Come to this airport and in a year's time. <laughs> Come to this uh, Waffle House parking lot. And I walked away thinking myself, I'm like, I should have just lied. <laughs> I could have sat there through it and and held that lie. We started wrapping up. <laughs> I think I think I would have. Yeah, the, the episode of Seinfeld comes to mind like you converted to judaism for the jokes no it was for the healing thing <laughs> but yeah i think i'm i'm with you on that like i if i had pushed myself to like go through with that at the time because I, I could see like well he's giving me the offer and i could see rationalizing it but i also feel like it's some weird test like yeah. i'd be like no because i'm gonna cross myself i'm gonna put myself under cross conditions for the guilt of this later <laughs> like, yeah <there> yeah <laughs> That that's so cool that you've. I've always been. I've always wondered what that was about, because it's like I I originally saw, um, because there's that that little box they put like basically on their third eye too. Right? Yeah, there's a box on third eye and on the arm that's in line with your heart and a, and the leather strap strap that goes all the way and and, uh, and the strap on your hand has I forget what um. What letter it, it is, but it, it makes a, a W in the palm of the hand. But I think where it's on the wrist and the fingers also adds to the like phrase of what it's meant to be. When oh, you're crazy. Oh, so you're literally turning your body into the word. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. The box is, is there's four different um, verses of the Torah um, in the two boxes. Yeah, I, I, so I, cause I originally saw it on like, it was a, I think it was, uh, it was some pilgrim or something that had it on, it was like on a cover of National Geographic. And I'm like, and it was funny cause the guy had it and then he had Oakley shades on. So I was like, what is this weird cyberpunk thing that is this some like new technology? And then it's like, no, it's this weird Jewish ritual. I'm like, what the fuck? Like that's crazy awesome. I want a weird spirit, spiritual like, mad. Well, it's a um, uh, it's a phylactery. I think right. That's <laughs> technically what that is. Yes. Yeah. Like when you can't get all of the stones for the breastplate, you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, phylactery. That's that's one of those great D and D words. That's how that still carries through time. It's phylactery. 
sometimes I find it easiest to use like RPG terminology to explain things. Like I, I just I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually have this theory that the reason technology is being allowed to advance in this twisted way is because it's giving us better metaphors to explain the spirit. And that's it. <laughs> just giving us better meta more accurate metaphors. There's like more nuance to the different parts of technology than anything else that we could have like like saying bandwidth. It's like, how would we explain that otherwise? I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can see the parallel. <laughs> Yeah, you'd probably have to use like a like a water metaphor or something like your tributaries or or blood or canal or so. Yeah, yeah. I also wonder with like like the theories of um, the Simpsons being the the thing that predicts reality. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I actually have this theory that like. So many of the Simpsons writers over the years have been into like sigil magic and stuff like that. And them creating this art is creating the future. So the the shit can jokes they're having and, and having a dig at society become reality. And and because that's such a popular thing, we're seeing it time and time again through this this series. That what you were saying there, Brian, about technology being our metaphor thing like lots of the sci-fi writers and fantasy writers over the years have been into to magical fossil things like philip k dick is is big into esoteric what was big into esoteric thoughts and lovecraft again that they sowed these seeds that created this technological future from the things that were making up describing that now give us the ability to describe uh, a thing that these these rogue renegade amazing minds had back then of where they tapped into the imaginal and could hear something but the only way their mind could express it was was in the like cyberpunk sort of things. <laughs> so there's this weird circular feedback loop of creation and explanation. Yeah, yeah there's there's um uh, there's a really um it's kind of it's a little forgotten now, but there's a there's a Robert Highland book, Stranger in a Strange Land, which came out I think in the late 50s like 59 or something and it was basically the hippie movement before the hippie movement yeah and a lot like it kind of started because of that book and and so it's like did he write that so that then that could happen like that it's exactly what you're talking about well, was, there's also like the the more insidious uh versions of that like some sometimes it seems like things are trickling through the imaginal like in this very organic way but then you get like uh the people that were conjuring or contacting the nine and like all of those people either ended up in silicon valley or writing for star trek so like star trek just determines what technology we get like <laughs> so it, it, it did there was a book written like early 2000s that was on how much tech from <laughs> Star, Star Trek in the our thing in there. Heaps of that shit comes from Star Trek. The iPads. 
like <laughs> yeah that's like a one-to-one but like even like you you went for an mri earlier that was another thing that was sort of hinted at in in star trek um mm. the one that scares me are teleporters because they're they're kind of frightening if you really really think about um and it really it really is where they draw the line for materialism i think because it's like oh you just make a copy it's not actually the original person it's like a reconstitution of the original person with their code saved so it's like yeah. it's really got an an inborn transhumanist agenda like hidden in there like you could pull that out and it's like that's the underlying philosophy is that that's possible uh but um yeah uh i forgot what i was gonna say there was that uh uh stage magician movie well like maybe 2005 ish um where where he had that thing and he had that ability to to teleport but yeah he just the prestige the prestige that's it yes yeah it's taking the illusionist but that was the other magic movie that came out yeah that was the other one that came out at the same fucking time <laughs> and, uh, also good. and he just had his murdered bodies on <laughs> so yeah that's that's a little bit sick to think about star trek of <laughs> people they've murdered <laughs> it's kind Lazy. of funny that that's no no one's ever like like because that show would deal with religious topics too it's kind of funny that that's never been like woven in hmm. to the to any story like there's never been anybody like is the would the metaphysical assumption just be that the soul just jumps to the new their new reconstructed like i don't know it's it because they've even they've even had episodes where they basically made a copy of somebody that's been that's been a theme in 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 the show before uh yeah so. I think it's interesting you brought up The Simpsons. That's like uh, my wife and I were trying like hell to figure out something like tolerable, just like one of those 20 minute shows that you like just have running whenever you're t- it's time to eat lunch or whatever. And just like, let's put something on to laugh for a minute. And it was like everything's shit that we haven't already watched. And uh, it's it's all just terrible. And then we're like, well, your, your sister has Disney Plus. Let's see if there's anything on there. <laughs> so we're like. All of the Simpsons. Well, let's start at like 2008 and watch how things progress. And like, I'm I haven't seen like anything in years, and it's incredibly good still. Like, all the stuff we're watching is they still manage to to have this uh, really potent satire without taking a side because they're always doing it in context of a character who is a caricature of a like certain type of person. So there's. Yeah. There's just this, like, we're just commenting on that this exists. But when you kind of put it all together, it, they're really always very aware of power structures and pointing them out in in ways that are not kind to them. Yes. I really appreciate that. And I, I'm I'm impressed as fuck. I'm, I can't wait to, like, get further and see, like, what happens when it's woke time in the Simpsons timeline and, and like, where they land on things. Like, I'm, I'm just interested. Yeah, uh, I have not watched it for a long, long time. Uh, probably a little bit before where you've kicked it off. <laughs> That's where I stopped. 
Yeah, I, not, that might be the same for me. I have not watched an episode of The Simpsons in like a decade. Like, how long is that? What season is that even on? 500? Oh, like, I think they're in the 30s. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. But I don't know. Um, it's, it's reaching like soap opera levels. <laughs> I, I think it might be their longest running show. It is. It, yeah. it was the longest running show when I stopped watching it. <laughs> oh, man. But there's there's something about it that's really comforting because you still get like, it's like, how many things can you watch that, that grew with you that like were there when you were a child? Um, and it's really interesting, like putting it on, I've noticed has this this vibe of like almost anchoring in this nostalgia of the past while like being able to like stay updated and feel like not all of the world completely went mad, which is in short supply, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can't see it. think of many things I watched throughout my childhood that are around now. <laughs> But they're still making new versions of or like it's continuing yeah that they haven't rebooted or done some other weird thing <laughs> yeah the the other thing I've, I find interesting that I, I remember where you were talking about Heinlein uh, I remember reading a bunch of his books like I used to be super into time travel Books mm. and movies. I, I absorbed everything I could for a period about time travel because uh, going through continuous pain, uh, I fantasized about having a DeLorean to go back and uh, not let that dude put a drill to my head and, uh, and give me the pain that I had. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was by his bootstraps, um, the time, one of the time travel stories that Heinlein wrote. The character in it reads like Homer Simpson. I remember reading it going, this is Homer Simpson. <laughs> uh, I, I remember really being bizarrely put back by one of his books. Uh, I'm sure it was by his bootstraps. That uh, yeah, it just seemed exactly like Homer was talking. I could hear Homer's voice in my head from his character. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So he's just sort of this like Forrest Gump esque imbecile that's somehow like yep. careening through the universe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dougie Jones. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, I'm going to have to go back and read it because I'm pretty sure it, it, there was a bunch of short stories he wrote. So it's not a huge one. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it was that one. I'm yeah, gonna I, stick in my mind now to work out if it was that or not. I I've only let's see what if I only read like three of his books. I think I I think it, it was Stranger Strange Land, which actually I've read twice. Uh, uh, Starship Troopers, and then there was one about an alien invasion, which I can't remember. Which was like the little manta rays that would. There was a movie that was made in the like nineties. It was like these manta ray things that would stick on the back of people's necks. Um, that I think was some sort of like Cold War. Soviet invasion yeah. version thing. Uh you know that old thing. Uh yeah. Uh but uh I've always meant to kind of read more of, of his books. He's an interesting author that I don't think is 
he doesn't bubble up into the pop culture as much as some of some other people. Um, no, but well, the the butterfly wings metaphor comes from him. Mm. Like the, the butterfly flaps its wings, creates an earthquake somewhere else. Um, he's oh. the guy who first wrote that. Mm. Wow. Okay. But never gets credited. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like I've, I've never heard the source of that told to me or read it anywhere i've just heard Let's that somewhere else but i'm, I'm certain it come from his book that that was, was uh, that's good to know in, uh, i'm pretty sure it's that bootstraps one actually or maybe not uh, i'll look it up now him him and a lot of other sci-fi writers at that time were obsessed with this this like it's not exactly a I don't he don't I don't think he considered himself a philosopher, but he wrote this book called General Semantics, which is where there's that phrase, the map is not the territory. That comes from this guy, Cor Corbisky or something like that. And Stranger in the Strange Land has these things that are like I, I think like general general semantics ideas. Cause there's there's a moment in that book where um uh they they have someone who's like a perfect witness, and the whole thing is like they they're asking her questions is like, well, you saw this, this, uh, cause I, I think the, the main character, like he makes things disappear into the fourth dimension somehow. And you see that it looks like it shrinks and they're, they're asking this. Oh no. They're asking this woman about this house. There's like a, a yellow house across the street. And they're like, do you see that house? And they're like, yes. Is the, so, uh, the front of it's yellow. Correct. Uh, what about the back of it? Is it yellow? I don't know. And it's like it's like all of these like I will not, I will not judge and make assumptions about reality that I cannot look at, and that all came from this like this guy general this this philosopher the that came up with general semantics. Um, so semantics, so semantics, yeah. That's that's interesting. I I got stuck on that. For a number of years in my like probably late teens and 20s where it was just like this no like if i'm not in the room with something i'm not assuming it's real or exists and yeah it, i kind of like lived that way for a while. but it it's it is like uh i don't know it feels increasingly like we're gonna have to think that way as the world continues on to it it's just a coping mechanism if nothing else <laughs> like actually you guys are all suspect i don't know you're you're all ai generated i have no idea we are lance is in baltimore there's no such thing as australia it's not real <laughs> that's that's actually a full-on conspiracy that was around a few years ago australia isn't real and we're all actors uh that was that was a real thing that was going on in America. <laughs> For what end? What's the purpose? I don't know. But uh, a lot of people were taking it serious. <laughs> we actually just invited Chat GPT with Chat GPT with an Australian accent on the show. <laughs> <laughs> was that woven into the birds aren't real thing too? Was that, was that all, all interconnected? That sounds like something uh, like John Oliver would say. 
some kind of like random beef with birds now. Like, by the way, here's some liberal propaganda. <laughs> um, so I'm curious about something. Uh, I had like a really bad first Reiki experience. Um, mm -hmm. It was at like a, a spiritualist church where, you know, you just kind of like come in and they have little booths and things. And I was like, sure, I'll, I'll try this. And it was someone like trying to open up my heart chakra, which was like clearly not ready to do that. <laughs> and they just like applied more pressure. Um, and I like almost, almost passed out and was like, thank you, but I'm going now. And like went out in the lobby and sat there and drank water and like had to meditate to like come back into my body. And it was really an awful experience. I'm curious if there's like, like, I know there's there's wrong ways to do everything where it can be like everything spiritually, where it's like harmful in some way to someone if you don't know what you're doing. I'm wondering if you have any advice on like how to kind of sniff someone out. Like, are there any questions you can ask? Or, I mean, it's it's entirely possible there aren't, right? But <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it's entirely possible there there isn't. But some of the ways you would, uh, if they were fully honest, they then they'd they give you a different answer like open your heart chakra uh, if if your heart chakra was fully closed you'd be dead your heart wouldn't be pumping because it wouldn't have energy coming to it mm. so you your heart chakra already would have been open mm. she just yanked the door open wider uh -huh. uh, so to me, somebody that says they can open a chakra, um, my question would be, is it closed? And if they say yes, then I'd say go away. <laughs> uh, because that says they don't understand what they're working with to begin with. Uh, uh, one that I've seen a lot of a lot of people who don't know what they're doing do, but I have seen some really good healers do it too, so it's not a full one, uh, is they clap their hands together and rub them and say they're mm -hmm. opening their palm chakras. Uh, all they're doing is creating static electricity in their hands. Like if, if that still gives you a feeling after a minute, then they're, they're a real healer. But if, if you feel something to begin with and then it fades out, all they've done is a, a trick that like any kid in primary school can do and probably has done. Um, it's the prestige. Yes. But I think if if I see somebody that like has body paint on that's a white person in the city, uh, I wouldn't have Reiki off them. <laughs> uh, if if they've got feathers in their hair and um, yeah. no little tiny tattoos on on their wrist, uh I'd also have a little red flag. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know people that are like that, that, that are good healers, but not many. I know lots of people that are like, I went to a Reiki class on the weekend and now I've got a business. And um, yeah, there's yeah. only so much you can learn in a day. Uh, it takes years of practice to, to build on. Um, yeah. What I'm hearing is look for signs of uh, that it's more of an identity thing for them than like a serious practice that they're uh, like when someone's flaunting things and like ask me about my Reiki practice. Don't you see my tattoos? That's clearly about more about like 
you want you them wanting people to ask them about that <laughs> in a lot of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like like the people that have a goetic sigil tattooed on their their body and are like tell you they're a hardcore magician. Uh, they're most likely just somebody that likes metal. And and that's about where it ends. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of invisible tattoos, uh, Sakyan tattoos in Thailand. It's like reason that like you don't actually want someone to know that you have magic you can use anytime. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's a real way of, of filtering it. Um, I've I've given presentations at, at spiritualist churches before and, and seen people get up and do healings and some of them look like they're doing real healing and some of them look like they're just comforting somebody uh, in a way. Mm. But usually the spiritualist church, their way of healing is not with Reiki. It's by inviting spirit to do the healing or they're just using their own personal energy. Mm. And that's where the forcefulness comes in of opening a chakra that's not ready to be opened. Uh, If they were using Reiki, it wouldn't work. Uh, It wouldn't happen. Um, that, that is an important distinction. Yes. But and now why is uh, that? So that's that's what you're saying is uh, the better thing to do is to let it flow through you rather than use your own. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's certain things that like using your own stuff is, is good with, but that's where you've crossed out of the Reiki territory. So I I will do a lot of that sort of stuff, but only what I know how I'm doing. And then I know I'm not using Reiki anymore. I'm, I'm going to be tapping into another energy source on my own. So like, like I do a lot of stuff with mesmerism and that, that is not uh, light and fluffy, like Reiki that, that is more forceful. Mm. Uh, so, well, then I would imagine it's also, it's more depleting you too that's gonna if you're actually tapping into your own energy that's actually in in like like chinese internal arts it's like you don't want to do that that's not that's that's a bad idea (laughs) yes uh but with that i can still i can still tap into other energy it's just not reiki and Uh so like there's other universal energies out there that that i can pull from but with that um yeah, it's not going to have the same healing filter that, that Reiki will. Of like, um, this isn't completely for their eyes, good, I'm going to stop. Where mesmerism is, they've said they want this, uh, I'll give them this. Uh, mm. We don't always know what our highest good is, but we know how to ask for what we want. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. So if it's not yours, where where's it coming from, Lance? Um. Quite often with mesmerism, it's actually theirs. So I create a feedback loop of a magnetic polarity between me and the person. Uh, and my energy is stronger than theirs. So I can get them into a state and then I just move their energy and do stuff. And at the end, I stop that loop and give them their stuff back and take my stuff back. But mm. theirs is flowing differently now. Um and, and most of it's like the the 
to, to use your uh, your thing. We explain things by the tech. Uh, how I see mesmerism working is it's the turn it on and off again. So you pull their energy down and turn it off and then you leave them and they, they shake and twitch and jolt shit out and reset and they come back. Wow. Uh, True old animal magnetism style, that that was it. They they didn't talk, they didn't do anything. It was just move the energy, leave them, let them shake and moan, and uh, and we'll come back. Wow. Huh. So what about for Reiki? Is there some kind of giant reservoir of Reiki energy somewhere in the universe that you're pulling from? Like I'm I'm so curious about this. Uh yes, yeah, it's um it, you you have an intention that you can connect to the energy and, and you connect to it and you can connect deeper to energy with um, these Reiki symbols, essentially like, like a sigil that's tapped to, to that source. Um, and, and it will help and it will do what it does. Um, and then different Reiki symbols have different healing purposes, but it's, it's just that phone call way of calling up this healing frequency that will come in and do its thing and, and is a is frequency like a the best way you would say to like the best adjective you would say um rather than like a filter or plugging a cable from another source or i'm just interested uh, in your metaphor you would land on yeah i i go frequency because i feel a, a buzz and some a higher buzz and some are a lower buzz. There's, there's a frequency with it and a magnetic resonance. Uh, so somewhere between magnet, magnetic and, and frequency, but I don't know how to how to use just magnetic to describe that process. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think between the two, I get what you're saying. That's that's really helpful for me to hear, like how it how it sort of like lands for you you know like what your experience of the actual like doing of it is yeah have you um have you sort of come across or been given like or discovered like your own symbols yes yes mm. uh, i have a couple um uh one of them was super 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 trippy um so one of them was when I, I went through Reiki Masters. I was um I was was on this property that um was well and truly out of town. Um uh, and there was it was two people teaching the Reiki Master process and uh I think six or seven other people doing Reiki Master. And um, so I'd, I'd cured the migraine, but I'd, I'd still never cured the thing that was in my head that created it, um, that was there. So I still had this, this huge thing in my head. And I was like, well, as not very often I get the opportunity to have eight or nine Reiki Masters give me a healing at once, uh, would you guys be open to give me a healing? Uh, and, and they agree. And so I laid down on the table and, and things got reasonably intense, reasonably quickly. Um, and like how I described of the strap around my arm, 
uh, I would have weird things happen sometimes where my body would move and and I wouldn't move it. So like the very second Reiki session, I had my arm rose up in the air and and started moving in in spirals, and um, and I could feel this vortex of energy moving my arm and. Um, now I presume I was releasing something, but I had no idea back then. Like, um, yeah, I had no clue what I was doing. I was just laying on a table in some woman's house and uh, and freaking out, thinking, like, my first thought was like something evil was happening, and it was it was like I was going to die. And then I, I paused. And I was like, well this feels really nice. Clearly it's not like a demonic energy or anything like that. Uh, I'll sit with this and see where it goes. Uh, so stuff like that would happen. And uh, so my arm flung out to the side. Uh, I was like, well, that's not too weird yet. <laughs> uh, but then it it drew uh, a symbol uh, with my arm about like a meter tall, so three feet. Um uh, and then I heard a name in in my mind, uh, Jacob. And then I heard the name in my mind, Jacob, and heard it coming out of my mouth. And then I heard the name Samuel come out of my mouth and in my mind as well. And then I heard the name Caleb just come out of my mouth, not in my mind as well. Uh, and then my other arm moved and it pointed to everybody and told them something. Um, and it like pointed right between their eyes. My eyes were closed. I was looking up. I had no idea where everybody was. Uh, half the people in the room had been pushed against the wall. Um, as, as the session went on, they got pushed further and further away, like magnetically repelled. And this one woman was freaking the fuck out, apparently. Uh, and she was like pinned against the wall and had pointed between her eyes. And I was like um, saying something about we're all connected in the field and we're all one and, and stuff like that. And, and it pointed between her eyes and it's like, you need to get this message, especially you and like, Never saw that woman again. <laughs> Why are you too uh, But afterwards, like we we had lunch, and I'm, I'm standing near the the table, snacking on stuff, feeling like pretty weirded out by stuff. Uh, and they they had to tell me to go away because it was too hot to come to the table near me. Like within a couple of meters near me was like 10 degrees hotter than everywhere else. Um, and, and during that healing, only two people could stay in my energy field. Everybody else got pushed away, but it was a weird thing. Like I could, I could feel the blueprint of where things were, but um, I, I don't get internal visualizations, but it was like that matrix sort of scene uh, with the green little, letters everywhere where you could see the universe of what it was made of. I could feel that for like the first maybe minute that uh, that the energy was building up and then then I lost that. Uh, but yeah, so I'd come to me with that, that, that helps connect um, that divine spark within other people to, to connect with that energy of us all being one in the field. 
So that that was that was a pretty profound moment where it happened. You got uh, your, you got your that, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and weirdly as well, afterwards, uh, uh, I'll, I'll have to find the diary somewhere. I, I wrote like down on a piece of paper, like the three names that I'd said, a, a really shaky handwriting. And um, and I remember looking down at them afterwards and I'm like, that's not like how you spell Jacob or Caleb uh, or Sammy. But when I looked it up on Google later on, like that's the English translation of the traditional like Hebrew names of Jacob and Samuel and Caleb. Um, and, and everybody there said my voice sounded like it was Jewish. Like I'd said, Jacob, not Jacob. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, uh, to me, it sounded like my voice while I was in the, the experience. Um, so that's that's a profound one. But the the next time I got a Reiki symbol, it was it was just my hand moved in a small bit in an automatic writing fashion, and drew the symbol um, and drew it like three times over the top of itself, um, and and I just had like an internal little download of a voice telling me what what it was for, um, and that one doesn't feel anywhere near as powerful as as that first one yeah i can imagine that's crazy man that's in- yeah that's incredible uh i i missed i missed what you had said brian what did you what did you you made a little a little joke just he got his bell rung oh oh no i was gonna I, uh, what i was gonna say is is your symbol actually 212 numbers that you uh <laughs> it kind of is <laughs> but, but not quite uh, it's it's the way of connecting to that within somebody not to that um yeah it's the divine name of god but it's the way to help find that spark within yourself it's it very really, similar <laughs> it really brings up some interesting stuff that that i'm personally fascinated with in that like uh people can end up having inclinations or contact experiences with traditions that they do not have any like blood relation or contact like or business being a part of per se like um Mm. this like okay so your your voice sounded like like a jewish person when this happened and and these are biblical names and like you also had that experience at the like going to the um rabbi was it oh well, i didn't go to a rabbi i had that experience done to me in the, like white woman's lounge room where she was doing energy healing and playing crystal ball like right. definitely not a jewish setting but the, energetically the, about the about the the cord thing is what i mean it's when the guy you went to him about that ceremony right um yes i, I tried to have that ceremony done but right. i had a ceremony done energetically that spooked me yeah and the, yeah the jewish guy wouldn't let me do it because i wasn't jewish but, but that's, yeah. that's what i'm saying is it's it's strange because like you're not jewish but like somehow this this same thing did end up happening to you on its own yes well maybe maybe it's because of the pop culture tradition of making like men's cocks uh jewish that was done to me <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Who knows? Maybe circumcision. <laughs> Maybe that's all you need is circumcision to be Jewish. I should have pulled it out in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but no. I do uh, I do carry the staff of God. I just want to let you know. So it actually uh, it goes from a snake into a staff. It's reverse <laughs> Moses. Yeah. That's what that was about. <laughs> um no, but it's just really interesting because I I'm I'm always fascinated by stories where people find themselves in some current and they're just like, what the fuck am I doing here? And then there's like hints of that here. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've had a lot of experiences back to Judaism, and and I'm not. I have a I have a friend I met uh, at a uh, a festival we we're doing healing at, and he's like, oh, I have this um this weird gift. Uh, I can smell people's religion. <laughs> like smell people's religion. He's like, yeah. So like, what's mine? He's like, mostly Jewish. <laughs> no but i've had some weird energetic jewish experiences and he's like yeah i can smell it <laughs> jewish smelling he's like i can't describe it but i can smell religious he, he went around and he did it with like a bunch of people and then he he was he was right with it and with it, i don't know how it worked i don't know <laughs> i better some people have weird gifts that's insane like i can smell it on you i can smell the current on you like you touched yeah. it yeah uh he should just explain to people i can tell people's religion rather than smell it but anyway it's it's not as intriguing i don't think people bite as much that may be maybe <laughs> i had a friend uh one of my friends when i lived in new orleans he uh, he he had a lot of weird stuff that he he just kind of like would channel these moments of like divine entertainment is the best mm -hmm. way I can explain it. He was like such an entertainer and such a uh, a funny guy, but he also like would was kind of manic depressive and would would you know be the most fun person in the world for X amount of time, and then we wouldn't see him for a while. I'd just go check on him here and there, and like. Uh, but when he was like on an on time, like there was this one time he walked up to this guy at this party where this like song share night that we were at. And and this guy's like everyone was calling this guy by his three initials. And I don't remember what they were now uh, or what his name was. My buddy walks up to the guy and he's like, I can guess your name. And he's bullshitting, completely bullshitting, has no fucking idea. And he guesses all three names for all three letters and he gets it right and the guy turns white as a fucking sheet and then shows him his id <laughs> and like it was just like everyone around was just like like they'd been like shaked like this was something else you know <laughs> and he had no he was like what how the fuck did i do that dude for like a week he's just like how the fuck did i do that though he homer simpson did <laughs> clearly Homer Simpson is the chosen one. So. <laughs> I'm stuck on like what what do you call Claire O Factor? What is that? What would the term be? If you can uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But uh I I have one of my mentors has has the gift in a, in a different way. Like um the first time I, I bought him out. Uh, he heard his knee getting on the plane uh, coming over here and 
I check him and his wife in into the hotel and we're downstairs in, in the hotel bar having a drink and he's telling me how his knee hurts. I'm like, I'll give you a healing. I, like sitting there holding his knee, giving him a healing while uh, having a beer. And he's like, sandalwood. I'm like, what do you mean? Yes, I can smell sandalwood. You're healing at sandalwood. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? He goes, I got no clue. But I just smell things when people do healing. <laughs> smell what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> uh, so again, a useless olfactory sense. But that guy uses the term olfactory when he's talking about the the senses within uh, hypnotherapy. So mm. um, he would say Claire olfactory, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Claire Smellian. You know, like, what? Claire Smellian. Claire Smell. There's there's a there's a long uh, tradition with like. That's one of the things like when uh, when a person uh, attains sainthood, like they'll disappear into like light. But then also there's like crazy floral smells and like other smells that emerge while they're doing it. So it's it is like a um, I don't know. Scent is a, a really strange thing, and especially in relation to spirit, because, you know, it's the thing when you burn incense, right? Uh, you can almost think of the scent as that's the spirit, right? Because mm-hmm. you you destroy the the object and it you're it's part of it goes away in flame, part of it turns to ash. Then there's the smoke, but then there's the scent, which is this oh hollow the thing that's completely invisible but permeates the space. So, it, so you're it, telling me my farts are the spirit of my turds? Yes, that's the spirit of the food. Oh, okay, yes, okay, yeah. that makes more. Spirits of the beings that you've assimilated. <laughs> you don't get to keep the spirits. You're just borrowing them. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say a prayer for them next time. <laughs> well, that is the prayer. Don't you know? <laughs> um, I'm curious. Have you? Uh, did that lead you to like? Do you work with sandalwood? No, I don't. I don't uh, Have you did. considered like, yeah, yeah? No, the the conversation quickly changed from there because the the bar lady bought our beers over, and and he proceeded to like tell her how wonderful he was finding Australia already, and the the men just so lovely the way they greet, and and I realized, oh yeah, I've got my hands on his knee. <laughs> 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 this looks weird. <laughs> And so I was uh, awkwardly distracted. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a, maybe there's something. Maybe sandalwood would be like supercharging your practice if you incorporated it somehow. Maybe, <laughs> but it could have just been that's that's the frequency his knee needed as well. Um, or it could oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The pain relief from his knee created sandalwood. I like uh, that. That's interesting. Yes, I'll uh, I'll try that. I'll I'll. Uh, I'll do some healing and annoy myself with sandalwood and see if it's qualified. I always, I always just follow the clues. Like I just pretend everything is like maybe spirit contact. And then like, you know, most things don't land. And then every once in a while I'm like, huh, is that, is that something coming through for me? <laughs> like <laughs> from this outside source, like unbeknownst to them. Cause sometimes that happens. But uh, I was also thinking about how, like what you said, Kurt, about the, 
the fire releasing the spirits like it reminded me of how like the buddha's the buddha was cremated to like assist in releasing the earthly attachments right like that's that's often usually monks are cremated for that reason yeah well, actually it's it's making me realize that 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 act is also like a miniaturized version of like what we're what i was talking about with like the saints they they burst into light and they leave a scent behind like when you're burning the incense that's literally what you're doing you're like it's bursting into light and then leaving oh that's also interesting thinking about uh like when Lung Porpina used like uh, the remains of nuns in his amulets which he got in trouble for buddhist nuns um but they were already holy so like and had released a lot of their attachments prior to death so when they died, like the ones that died in, in accidents and died before their time, so it was a traumatic death, which led a lot of left a lot of energy. Um, but they they were already sort of elevated because they lived their life as a as a Buddhist nun. So they uh, they they didn't smell like death when they rotted; they smelled sweet. And it was this character that only occurred with these very specific, like few women. Uh, the, yeah, it's really fascinating stuff. It just reminds me, like you're saying, smells a funny thing, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's what that's drawing to mind. Mm. How even death can smell sweet if it's, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be bizarre. But I've I've never uh, smelled a dead body, so I can't say. I don't think I have either. I mean, I'm no. sure I have. I've lived in cities. I'm sure it's not always rotting meat from like a fridge, but but not that I know of. Yeah, same. I don't. I don't. Which is odd to think about because that probably was also a much more common occurrence for people like 150 years ago or so. You would know what that is. Sure, like a uh, plague mask on. <laughs> if that. Yeah, I'm 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 also fascinated by what you're talking about with like the the spontaneous movements because that's um like the eternal martial art. I, I practice a martial art called Baguazhang, which is one of the Chinese internal arts. So it's it's related to Tai Chi. It's not as um it's not as watered down because it it it's not as popular so it's not as well known um and part of the practice um there's a, a certain standing meditation you do and i've over time that's developed like so the the idea is you get to a state where you're you're just you're basically providing space for the body to do what it needs to do to like re relieve injuries and and, <laughs> and problems and it often involves especially now for me, like my body starts to contort into really weird shapes. Like as it's like kind of like stretching and like, and it's, uh, I can, I could see how it would be extremely unnerving to someone who has never experienced anything like it. Like, yeah. Yeah. The first time it happened, uh, her, she had a towel on her, her massage table. Uh, so I always have like a, a soft sheet sort of thing. Uh, but she had a towel and I could really feel that texture of, of the towel. And I thought I was just starting to go numb because I was like, I don't feel my pink. I can't feel that towel with my pinky. And I don't feel that towel now with, with my ring finger. 
and then my my middle finger twitched. I'm like, now, now I don't feel it with that. I didn't click. My fingers were twitching at first, mm. and then it was just slowly one by one the fingers went until it was just my thumb on the the bit, and I, my palm was even off. And then that went. It was when my hand was levitating that I realized. I was like, oh sh- shit, my my body is moving. There's, I'm not imagining this towel going away, and then it would just I'd feel these jerks up till my my hand went up and and started spinning and that process i think from the first finger movement to my hand being up before it did spirals would have been like 15 minutes yeah um, it, it it was slow and from then it, it got much much quicker um, but it um as i said when i was talking about max's hand twitching with uh before his migraines come on um that twitching how i use that now is is what's called an idiomotor response uh, mm. idio meaning thought motor meaning movement of getting away of getting some other part of consciousness to use that nervous system to maneuver somebody's body and some people's movements are super tiny and some people are super big most people it's it's um it's really twitchy and not fluid but when it's with energy it's only ever really my my experience is the twitchiness was only the initiating factor and from there it got really really smooth and and fluid Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at sometimes it was contortive, but most times it wasn't. But I've I've had some people on the table when I've been healing them, and every time my hands went over a certain spot, it it was really uncomfortable contortion, sort of looking things like like scenes from the exorcism sort of thing happening, where the body just jolts and they're the spine is arced up in a higher arc than you think a human spine could move. Uh, and they're not in pain with it. It's just, they're out. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be weird. Do you, do you feel comfortable when your body's contorting in those weird ways? Yeah, no, it's never. Um, there's occasionally moments where there's little bits of pain involved. But it feels like like that's dealing with a very specific older thing that's trying to like my teachers like you you the part part of what you're doing is you're 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 providing this container you have to trust that the body knows more than you do so it knows what it needs to then to then heal and like and what I kind of the metaphor I think of it now is like because in in you know you're you're it's it's about chi flow and what's going on is that you have stagnant areas and so the practice you're you're uh is almost like hitting a drum head and it's almost like part of the drum head is like there's things touching it that's muting it and like yeah. the the slow beat is slowly going to shake out all those muted spots and that's what that's what's happening over a long trajectory of time is you're is in as they shake out more of it's vibrating in unison together and so it's everything's flowing more and i that's that's the metaphor i think of it i think with it now um but yeah it can get pretty and it's it's funny because it, it 
it wasn't like this. It usually for most people there there's like trembling or like bouncing things like that. I I will sometimes I'm bit in half or like it'll make me squat or like do all kinds of crazy things. Um, and I'm not sure what that signifies. I don't know. It's like am I more, maybe I'm more injured than everybody or something, and that's you know that's got to or, or I'm running bigger energy. I have no idea, but um. That's also part of the process is like, don't attach to any part of it too much. You know, it's progressing because it's always changing. You don't get like, I, you don't want to get stuck in the same thing for too long. That's usually another sign that thinks something's stagnating, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Depending on whether it, it fits with the philosophy of the the practice. It might be interesting experimenting with like your, your teacher said your body knows, like you're inviting the body to do it. Of of tapping into a spirit associated with that martial art and seeing if it could move your body and, and see if that's different or to the part of your, a different part of your consciousness and and see if that can do it um, and if they're different and if one's more effective than the other yeah i think i in a way i think that's part way we don't contextualize it like that but i think that's part way what's happening to a certain degree right yeah yeah uh, my my philosophy there that i've i've come up with over the years of, of working with with energy and consciousness within people and without of people is that um and and it's it's a bit woo and wacky so don't judge me it's not from a, a textbook of no, nothing to credit this with real science or anything like that it's just uh 445 my hypothesis <laughs> uh is that this pink squishy thing and uh it it's not where our consciousness is, is held it's it's more like the antenna and the rest of our nervous system is is also part of that antenna not just where it sends the signals to and and who we are is is this energy field that's that's around us of our collective energy that's coming in and out of your closed heart chakra and uh, within that energy field you've got like the the energy of all the different experiences and emotions and and thoughts and feelings of your lifetime and and with that if if we were gathered around a a bar talking instead of in three different points of the world uh, our energy fields would be overlapping and you get that bit where you you say something and somebody else goes, I was, I was just thinking that. And, and it's yeah. a very abstract thing that, that wouldn't happen. My my partner and I have it happen all the time. Like I'll be talking about something that I've read that that day from a book she's never even looked at. Uh, and she will have been thinking about the same philosophy because she's picking up on my thoughts. I'm picking up on hers. Uh so we get this transference of other people. We, um, animism, 
in itself is is all about that context of of your picking up of stuff that's that's around you the spirit of of the land you're on of this tree of the cat or dog you've got in the corner of your house sitting there uh, all of that stuff is also part of what this thing is is picking up and the spirits that are around us as well and so i see us as as the club the the group of all of that and how i work with hypnotherapy is getting consciousness to use that nervous system for an idiomotor response and talk and sometimes i'm talking to you and 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 part of you your memory and and exactly that but sometimes it it's it's not it's it's a spirit it's something else and from these experiences i've had with energy moving my body i know lots of those weird early experiences were spirit or the energy itself moving me to to get my body into a spot to to heal it differently um and some of them of 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 more recent ones where i'd I'd been more open to spirit i know it it, it's it's definitely been a spirit contact thing i've I've had it happen to uh invite an, an ancestor to to move my arm to help me find his grave and was able to find it uh in a place where it wasn't listed um the record on the internet and said it was another graveyard that was like um six seven kilometers away but he moved my my hand and showed me exactly where he was um so there's there's a big difference between your body your consciousness and an an outside source Mm. that regardless of what the the multi-layered frameworks of that practice might have of you using your your practice of specifically inviting something else mm. could create an interesting experience or it could just be a waste of your time. <laughs> what what harm does it does it have? <laughs> well it's it's also interesting because like what you're talking about, I've sort of I've had hints dropped at me from something that is uh as far as i can tell is is a is a very ancient like chinese spirit (laughs) um the in reference to this practice that i'm i'm like at some point i'm gonna and 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 that could very well be a component of it like what you're talking about like directly engaging with that spirit in the practice itself yeah Um, uh, it, it sounds highly valuable because I could guarantee you not everything about that practice is being written down. Like, oh, mental for sure. Relationships lose so much. Like, like all the magical books that say, do the usual. Yeah. <laughs> How much of the usual of that practice has, has been lost that could be delivered through something like that? Well, well um, in, in Taoist practice, there's uh what the hell do they call them because there's a similar thing i I think in in tibetan buddhism to 
where it's basically you all like what you're talking about, like you all gather in a room and the, and the teacher basically like plants a seed in every student that then will eventually grow into like, but it's, it's like this huge transfer of information, but it's like, it's got to unfold. It's not a, it's not a discussion. It's an energetic seed that's planted. Um, and I, I've read, I've read uh, certain Taoist uh, practitioners talk about that, that like, yeah, that's a whole other aspect of the practice is, is it's not this, it's not even you doing the practice. It, well, I mean, you doing the practice sort of helps grow that seed, but it's part of it is getting the transfer of the seed from, um, I think they call them empowerments in, in Tibetan Buddhism. I forget what they're called in, in Taoism. It's yeah. Reiki achievements are a copy of the same sort of thing. Yeah. Which is again is like a technological metaphor, like the the download, unzip, like all that. That's kind of what all that is, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got somebody there you can invite to to give seeds or to water your seed. Yeah. Um, I'd be throwing invitations out. <laughs> <laughs> that could be part of the test, though, for you not to. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lesson the- either way. I'm sure. Yes. <laughs> uh, I I had I remember an experience as well where I was I was trying to open up that pathway a little bit more in my arm uh, of over the way Reiki ran through my body and my my hand twitched in weird spots to move around and I didn't know much at all about uh, meridians back then like I knew they existed I had no idea of what ones went where uh, and I thought oh wow it's like finding meridian points and, and unlocking them now I'm like well, it definitely wasn't because I was doing like the front and back of my arm and <laughs> if it was they were, were certainly not in the line of any flow of meridian <laughs> they were just energetic points that needed to be opened but part of that process was my body was moving to where i needed to give energy and and to open up that that pathway Uh, and if my arm just moved it wouldn't have done the clearing it needed to yeah the the like when i gather because my teacher's also he's a practitioner practitioner of like uh, Chinese medicine too and like all of Chinese medicine like all of disease is stagnation right and that's that's like the whole part of the part of opening it up is just that it's something stuck and needs needs to be like and you can't you can't necessarily blow it out that's not necessarily that's kind of the the whole open the chakra thing like you, it's like it's much better to be gentle and gradual with it than to uh, wrote a rooter it. <laughs> well, you could have used like a Dremel, take a little bit more care or something. <laughs> the supers at my my old apartment in Brooklyn, they had this thing. It was like it was like an air hammer that they would, if a toilet or a drain was really clogged, it was just <laughs> they press it on, it would. Boo! It would just blow out anything that was. That was... Whoa. 
Um, I don't know what, how you how are you on time, Lance? And uh, we we oh. tend to just talk until we exhaust the guest. Or um, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, <laughs> I can keep going. I'm gonna grab a <laughs> cup of coffee. But you guys keep talking. <laughs> so was the um, and we don't have to talk about it. Uh, but the guy with the drill was that like trepanine? What was the what was the story with that? Uh yeah, I I had an um, endoscopic fenestration. So what what is in my head is um like our our whole brain is is wrapped in this this membrane that looks like a spider web uh and it holds all the cerebral fluid in that runs around our brain and up and down our spine mine has a, a pocket in it so it's got this pocket of just that cerebral fluid and, and so he, he drilled a little hole through here about that big uh and and, and popped a hole in it I'll, uh, was this to drain the fluid or something like that was the plan yeah let's see can i no i do a screen share I, I, Brian might have to allow it or something. I don't know if it's, see. I forget how Zoom works. Oh, God. I never it's learned. <laughs> um, there we go. Uh, cool. cool. See that? That's the oh. hole. Oh. oh my god. Uh you're not too scary of gore, are you? No, that's fine. Oh. Arachnoid cyst. So that's that's just the, the hole, and now he's gonna pop it, and you'll see the pressure that was behind it. Oh, oh. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. It just keeps going. It keeps going. This 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 guy's been all over the news lately too. He uh he's not allowed to operate in Australia unless another neurosurgeon signs off on it because he's a he's a bit of a wild cannon. Oh shit! Really? Uh, and so then this is inside it. They're putting a hole on the other side um, to let the fluid flow in and out. And so before this, I only had a migraine sometimes, like maybe once a month. Uh, and my my ear had been blocked for ages. And this guy's like, I can fix that. It's super easy. Give me oh, 10 grand. Uh, Holy shit. And yeah. Are they just trying to tear a hole in that? In the trying to tear a hole on the other side so the fluid flows through. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, By the time I had the next MRI, it was exactly the same as it was. Uh, no change. Oh, fill back up. Oh fuck. And, uh, and then I had a migraine forever. God <laughs> damn. Nine and a half years. Holy, totally. unbelievable! I, you know, the the more time goes by, the more I think I might rather die than go to hospitals. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah I wouldn't trust this guy to, to cut me again. Um, yeah, you're going to see a beating part of my brain in a second, I think. As he gets through a bit more. But yeah. Jesus. There you go. Crazy. No. Oh. That looks really cool. That you look like a predator. <laughs> that uh, dark blue bit there is what size it is. Oh wow! Huh. Light blue on this one as it goes through the top and bottom. So yeah. This video demonstrates endoscopic penetration. Oh. Just a pocket of fluid. Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> have you have you had any since it's called an arachnoid cyst? Have you ever had any had any interesting moments with spiders? I'm just really curious. No, no, um, I haven't. It's just called arachnoid because it looks like a spider web. But I've been noticing spider webs a lot more since the pain come back, but I think that's just because I'm like looking. <laughs> yeah. For it. So. Um, but yeah, so that's that's how we drilled in. But yeah, so I still have no skull here. I have it a dint if I run my hand over where I can feel it. Oh my it. god! Wow. Um, for the whole time I had the migraine, uh, I couldn't sleep on that side of my head, or I'd wake up in a lot of pain. Um, that isn't a problem at the moment. I've been able to sleep on that side and be fine. Most of the past nine years, I've slept on that side. <laughs> And it hasn't been an issue. I'm shocked that there, there, there's not like, yeah, we don't, we don't have like bone putty or something <laughs> like cover this shit. Yeah, no. Uh, he nearly was gonna <laughs> put a metal plate in there afterwards while I was complaining, but uh, I kind of lost trust in the guy. So yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't blame you. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, that that was um, was why I couldn't watch that movie for so long. Like this scene where he drills his head at the end, just uh, was just a little bit. It's too too rude. too much, especially when uh, it's the opposite side for him. To me, like his his was the the right hand side, and mine was the left. Uh, but, but you're watching it in the mirror. I'm watching it. In a yeah. mirror, yeah. so it it is the way I look in a mirror. That is how I see Lance. And yeah. So like, fuck no. <laughs> uh, but the the other bit that I I couldn't remember how much was traumatic of it just is, um, uh, like the I don't know how much of it was like mixed with the score from Clint. Manzel or how much of it was just foley effects, but the the sound that comes with uh with every time Max is having a, a migraine with all the all the noise. Yeah, things. there's like there's the, all these yeah, this the soundscape of this movie is like there's all these like drips and other weird just random noise yeah. that's like mixed in. The the sound of that, because I had had like I've got really good noise canceling headphones and, and that's what I was using to 
to watch this movie because my kids were asleep and I was like, oh, put my headphones on and just just watch it. And just having that right in my ears with it was like, I, just, I had to look away and I was like, <laughs> still pretty potent with uh, with the the sound uh, that I, I actually loved the the soundscape of the movie other than those bits like uh i i i'd never liked like pop will eat itself uh which is the band that clint mansell was was from uh and this was the first time he jumped into doing scores and soundtracks um and and i fell in love with that like idm sort of yeah electronic drum and bass stuff that's that's through this um with how i said this bookcase used to be filled with vinyl uh i hunted for for the pie vinyl um because mansell released a an ep of of the three tracks um that he has on that soundtrack um i could never find it yeah i was annoyed <laughs> um but yeah that soundtrack i thought was was great it, it really keeps the pace and moves that movie in a different way. He's a he like all the movies scored that Aronofsky did that was scored by him are all of the tra- tracks are pretty fucking incredible. Like I and they all ended up like being reused and like previews yep. for other movie and commercials and all over the place. Like. Yeah, I, I didn't. I, I didn't know he was from Pop Will Eat Itself. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I couldn't believe the the reuse of that. Like, I remember seeing a Lord of the Rings trailer when that movie was first coming out. I'm like, why do they have Requiem theme? In yeah, this? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to attach yourself to drug addiction from a <laughs> dark movie to try and put into this <laughs> first thing of the Hobbits. <laughs> uh, but uh, i remember reading years ago that um when they they got clint on board to do the soundtrack he said it had to have a theme um so they weren't going to have a theme song through the movie uh which, mm. which they did um he, he introduced that concept to them um, on, on a magical link i also have a question I've had for a while. Um, the one of the bands that's that's on that soundtrack is Autica, uh, and they've they've released tape of albums, and none of their albums have a track that has a name that's that's understandable. Like it's just like random letters. Um, mm. I've, I've had this wondering for years is are the songs titles like a sound sigil uh, have they tried to like do half of the sigilization process with their track titles or is it just because they're blips and glitches they're just trying to make it out weird sound <laughs> <in them. laughs> interesting i wouldn't be shocked because def- definitely with like industrial music it's there's a lot of it's got a long history of being woven and yeah it does yes yeah, yeah. but i we don't were, know 
<laughs> Are they based out of Australia? No, 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 no. They're like an LA band or something, I think. Okay. It's just two dudes. Oh. But yeah. But I remember I used to love that. The score, half of the score I'd like have on my like. I used to ride a push bike everywhere. I didn't have a car for years. And I'd have a, I had a discman that I could just fit in my like baggy jeans pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like look for albums that were pumped and like how that movie has that real pace. There was like only a couple of songs on, on that CD that you'd need to skip that you couldn't just motor through the city on a bushy. <laughs> <laughs> Was how often did it skip while you're? Oh, it had good any skip. Uh, it was it was pretty rare. It was a Panasonic. <laughs> well, I think it had like a ten second buffer that it would read ahead, um, so it could, it could take quite a whack before it would skip. Uh, it would skip easier with bootleg pirate CDs that I had, but not crazily it's man cds are one of those i want like i don't i don't know if cds will ever like i have a friend now who's like who's he he bought like a vintage walkman like a sony walkman and he he's buying like tapes left or right and i'm like this is weird i thought this was like it's and but and i'm like it's always all these old media coming back and people are like really into them and i'm like is that ever gonna have with cds they don't feel like I feel like this is going to be one of those. They just forget all of that. It's like we got the MP3s. We don't need those stupid things. Like there's no advantage to them whatsoever. Yeah, I don't know. I think there are going to be people that collect them still. <laughs> I, I I sold off all my CDs, all my vinyl, everything. Look, it's yeah. funny with tapes because it's like. I'm going to invest in this collectible uh, form of media that is inherently temporary. Yeah, it's going to degrade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, everything's temporary, but vinyl is your best bet, right? <clears throat> or or um, flash drives, you know? But tapes... I think I think tapes have a lot of cool uses and like they're they're excellent for creating finished products that are then digitized for people to consume <laughs> like <laughs> conveniently. Um like I I really want to do some like experiments with like like study studying decay and like transferring the same thing over and over again at various states. Like that kind of stuff really interests me. But it's not like I want to fucking collect albums that I want to listen to on tape. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, it's his weird thing. I like. <laughs> no offense to your friend. I doubt he listens to the show, but <laughs> nah, fuck him. <laughs> Actually, uh, it, just in case one of my friends is is listening to this, I've got a friend who has. Uh, his gift is you name a movie, he'll tell you what year it was released. Uh, so I have to shout out, I'd say this is a 1998 movie, according to IMDb. But at the end of the movie, it says 97. So I'm going uh, with what Aronofsky says and go 97. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm arguing with my mate next time I see him. <laughs> it's going to pull out home to me. <laughs> it probably was finished in 97 and then not, it didn't get released for. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, he released it at the, um, uh, what's it called? That film festival. Um, Sundance. Yeah, I think it was Sundance. Uh, so I think he waited till like the next year that was out. Yeah, that it was actually. Be... No, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, it, they used to be so much of a bigger deal. I don't know that anyone cares anymore. No, uh, there. I remember buying a book. Oh, I wanted to make a movie years ago, and um, I'd bought a book then of all of the film festivals that were on then, and that was like, I don't know, early two thousands. Uh, and there was there was more than a film festival every week then. Now I think there's probably like. 10 film festivals a day you could go to <laughs> with all the <laughs> online film festivals and everything like that, plus all the ones in person. What's the fun of an online one though? That's that's like the online conference. Like, no, this is this is stupid. People, you guys need to stop this. This is not a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's uh I gotta get an online video thing of a festival um it's just a playlist <laughs> basically oh uh, I, has he has that has that cat ever been on camera before no he's such huh. a little shit here go out the window buddy <laughs> The cats, basically, my wife and I are cat servants. Um, they demand to go in and out all the time, and it's like, like we're well trained. Like anytime I'm podcasting, he'll at some point come and scratch on my door, uh, and he won't stop until I open the door, and then he'll come in here, turn around, and go scratch at the door to leave. Uh, so I've I've learned. If I just pop the window open far enough and just set him on the window sill, he goes the fuck outside. <laughs> <laughs> He's just showing his boss. <laughs> I think we can see who's in charge in this room. <laughs> the cat. Yeah, my cat was always like, like scratches the door. You let him outside. He walks two steps, lays down. And you close the door, and then he scratches at the door. <laughs> it's like immediate. It's like what? What is? What the fuck is the point? What are you doing? I'd like to remind you that I could eat you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that's a funny thing. Have you ever been asked to do reiki on a on a pet? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, uh, I. Um... I have I've only had like two people like be paying clients that wanted me to do it uh, on their pets. One was I can't remember what the first woman was. Uh I was working at it like a new age shop. Uh and she bought the dog in there for me to do it. 
the dog was bored halfway through and, and just wanted to go. Uh, <coughs> and the next one, the woman had put that dog in for surgery the day before, um, like it just got out of surgery. Uh, and and she noticed a remarkable difference with how he was the next day. Um, it, my my old man's got a dog that's that's pretty sick. Uh, and when he first started getting sick, Reiki made a huge difference for it. Um, and, and my old man didn't believe fully that Reiki was happening sort of thing. Like till he saw like, Every time my hands were pointed towards the dog, his leg would kick. And if I stopped, the leg would stop kicking. When the leg would kick. Uh, and back then, his dog could... He, he wasn't going for walks anymore. He just didn't have the energy to do it. They had this little, like, sunken lounge room. And the dog's favourite thing to do was just play off the ball. And, and he wouldn't chase the ball if it went over the step of the sunken lounge room even but like his idea of going for a walk was going out the front and and doing like a crap on the lawn and that was that was it um and after i did it and, and i went home the next day and, and dad sent me a message that night saying he, he took the dog for a walk like the dog wanted to go for a walk and he had this short walk that he'd do where they cut through this laneway or he had a long walk he'd do uh and the dog was dragging him to the long walk uh he went along Straight away, and he's like, first time in months that he's done that. Uh, first time in months he's even done the short walk. Um, uh, he, he noticed a big difference in, in how the dog was. Uh, but that night I was doing it. He was chasing the ball down the hall. So we seen a, a clear difference that same day. But the big difference we didn't see till the next day. Uh, and now every time I go there, and that was years ago, but now every time I go there, that dog follows me around quite a lot and just like sits in my field to get a bit of healing but now he's he's blind he's deaf he's got arthritis and he's got lumps on him like cancerous things and it's like I'd, I'd be sitting here healing him all day to have him be perky again <laughs> you just follow me around i'll give you a few little healings here and there but i don't i don't see any difference now with yeah. it and part of it now is I don't want to give him too much healing. I'll give him a bit to take his pain away, but I don't want to, I don't want to extend his life out too much. Like I feel like that's just torturing him. Yeah. And, and I've got too much compassion for the dog. I want him to live forever because he's my dad's best friend, but uh, I've had a long history with this dog too. So I'm like, my compassion's for him. I'm like, I'll give you some, but I'm, I'm not going to try and like make you live an extra year because I, I think that's that's pushing it now. How old is the dog? Um, I think he's about 15 in human years, and he's like a Jack Russell, so he's a little dog. So that that means it's it's very big in human years. Like it'd be like yeah. a dog human years. thing it'd be I mean he's 90 something or 100 and something. I think. <laughs> He's, he's old. <laughs> uh, my my cousins had this this like dachshund mutt that like lived twenty something years. Oh well, and it was like I think it was also just at some point it was just a tumor that wiggled around. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> yeah. 
saying yeah. that, like blind deaf like it's crazy i've i've thought for the past year the dog's been about to die he's still kicking so who knows who knows I'm just not going to do too much to make that happen too much more. Uh, but yeah, I haven't done heaps with animals, but I know some people that that's that's the main thing they do is doing healing with animals. Uh, one of the people I train with does equine Reiki. She specializes in doing it for horses. She oh. travels around Australia teaching people how just to use Reiki on horses. I, I kind of feel like that's like like a pet healing. It's one of those things that even some people like in our circles might be like, huh, like like feel like it's a little silly at first or something. I I, I kind of get the feel that it's like a, oh like it takes a moment of adjustment to be like oh right like they need <laughs> animals have trauma too. But I think it's so important to like have that uh, like like open up <laughs> expand from the Anthropocene a little bit and like think about like what else needs healing around you and like how they're asking for it. And like, like the dog coming in, sitting next to you, like it knows then that you are this source of like a little bit of ease. And like, I just think that's, that's a really excellent way of, of deepening your relationships with them, but not more than human people do. Yeah. I, I had a, a girlfriend years ago uh, who had a cat and anytime I did a healing I did some healing on the cat first just because uh, and I remember it looked at me weird and it sniffed the palm of my hand, cocked its head, and a lot of animals seem to do that. Um, but then every time I gave healing to my, the girlfriend I had at the time or her daughter, uh, this cat would come and sit on them in between my hand and them to steal the reiki. <laughs> yeah. and 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 this one she thought i was a lunatic and and most people have thought i'm a little bit fucking mental when I, I tell this part of the story uh she was at work and i was sitting there with the cat uh i was reading hypnosis book and and the cat come up and i could tell it wanted reiki and i was like i'm sick of giving you reiki i'm gonna teach you how to do it yourself uh and so i tuned the cat to a reiki and a tune process on it and i was i was feeling like an idiot but i'm like well who cares uh, so i'm talking to the cat and and doing an energy ball and beaming energy and like trying to explain like what i'm doing and the cat kept looking at me and then it looked at this other point in the room uh, like we were sitting on a queen bed up near the pillows and it was looking towards the foot of the bed at something and it kept looking at the same spot in between me explaining something to this other spot and then look back at me and I'd explain the next bit and then it would look back at this other spot uh, I had no idea what was happening in my head I was like there's like some like Japanese ghost cat sitting there itching at Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and I was like I was finished then uh, I was like, that's 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 all like think of to teach a cat how to do reiki and and it like just looked at me and it got up and it turned around and walked out of the room <laughs> and the girlfriend got home from work and i told her what happened and she laughed at me and said you're you're a freaking weirdo um, <laughs> whatever. uh 
And then the next night, uh, I come around, sit in the lounge, the cat comes up to me uh, and it puts its paw in the middle of my hand. And I can feel Reiki happening. I feel energy happening. Out of <laughs> Did you just work out how to steal my Reiki when I'm not doing it now? Uh, and, and I said that out loud. Uh, and then the cat puts one paw on this side of my wrist and one on the other side and bounces energy backwards and forwards. Then stops, looks at me, does the usual cat thing, turns around, points his butt at me and walks off. <laughs> and, and I was like, you can do it. <laughs> so, I've got a photo that, that uh, the, the woman took of me, like with the cat, uh, <laughs> Doing its thing where I thought it's it's giving me a Reiki. Didn't do it again at all. Um, didn't come and ask me for Reiki ever again at all. Didn't sit on anybody when I was giving them Reiki again at all. Um, and, and a couple of years later, I had a kidney stone uh, and I was feeling really off. And, and it come up and laid next to me and I could feel Reiki radiating out from it for like 15 minutes and then it went and, and that's the only time i think that it gave energy to me but it it proved that something really happened because this cat would always be there if it could get reiki and then now it could do it itself it's like screw you human i can do it myself uh, just kept it to itself <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite stories we've ever heard on the show <laughs> i love it so much well I, okay so i i don't think it was on i think it was on one of our like discord zoom calls and i was telling the story about like my the other cat not the one that was just on film he's an idiot the other one uh <laughs> is special like he he walks uh my wife's a priest and she walks like to her office which is maybe a quarter mile down the road and we live at a rectory and like so the cat will follow her like a dog like all the way to the office and then just sit in the chair and wait till she's done working sometimes and just follow her all the way home. Like her guardian, like when she goes to bed, he'll go out and like find her robe or something and just like knead on it. Like he misses her. Like there's this weird like guardianship thing going on. Um, and we didn't even have these cats in our life until like a year and a half, two years ago when we moved in here and her sister needed somewhere to put these cats. Uh, it's very strange. Uh, he's like, in love with her and then we're honestly a little bit like okay uh sometimes it's a bit much it's a bit like we but the cat has full-on like uh cleansed the shit out of me before by walking around me in three times wow. like i was i had some shit going on and i couldn't figure out what it was and like he looked at me weird and like there was like it was like his eyes were shinier than usual mm -hmm. um, and he came and walked around me three times and it all lifted and I like just cried and thanked the cat. And I was just like, I, yeah. And it's very obvious that he's special. Like there's a bigger soul in that cat. Than, um, but so what's just like, why shouldn't you be able to teach uh, uh, an animal that's part of your family? That's like um, more, maybe a little bit more uh, in tune with, you know, like human uh, consciousness or like is closer to a being that's like, I don't know how to explain like more, uh, on our level that that's like yeah that he's, he's already doing shit like that in theory i could probably teach the cat some extra tech <laughs> probably uh well this one i had the intention that that he'd be healing like 
my girlfriend and, and her daughter. Mm. Uh, but he didn't. He was a selfish cat. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> They're not all as enlightened as uh, as your one. <laughs> yeah, he's he's. There was also an incident where he, um, they they did some some trimming uh, back behind the house and on this pathway that was like really invasive and excessive and cut down a tree they definitely like didn't need to. And it was one of the bigger trees in this little grove. And there was a big thing that happened with the land spirits in relation to that, that I was part of, and it was really scary, but it was like, I was experiencing what the land spirit was experiencing. It was like, you need to feel my, like what it was like for me. Like, that's the kind of relationship we have to have. You have to understand what this feels like. But the cat, what, what like made me realize what was happening was thinking back like, oh, like Bastion, the cat was walking around all back there, like being sad and crying at the ground and peeing on the ground as like an offering. Mm. Um, and that was what like clicked with me later that night when things were happening that I had to make sense of. It was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and then, and then like all this, all of the, the terror of, of someone bursting into your house and like chopping shit down and like fucking your shit up. Um, and the the sadness of that all like flowed through me. And it was like the most intense, some of the most intense shit I've ever had happen, spirit was. And after that, it was fine. Like everything was okay. It was like this. It just the trauma needed to be released. And it found me to to do that through. But like it it didn't do it until the the actions of the cat clicked in my mind what was happening and that was what connected the circuit and yep. made it so the cat participated in that whole thing too like it's all a lot to take in <laughs> sometimes uh, it gets weird it can uh i had a light version that happened once um the the last property we had had all these just had been a rental for 10 years and so the backyard had just gone wild and it had a huge backyard that just went up this hill um and there was was this beautiful big tree right outside the the house at the back um uh, a magnolia tree but underneath it was this like dense thing of ferns that had just gone wild and was a mess and you couldn't like walk past the path without like getting all those tiny little burn seeds all over you because you have to look you're brushing through it. Uh, and we were, we were cleaning it up to, to sell it um, to be unremoved here. And I just went one day and was like, okay, the ferns are going today. And I just walked out the back and just hacked and hacked and hacked these ferns out. And it was just like a, I don't know, 20 minute job, 15 minute job. Uh, and I come inside and and I was, was shaken for like half an hour. Um, and and as soon as it started, I was like, oh, I didn't tell the ferns what I was about to do. I just like mm. went and did the the thing that you do when you clean the yard up without thinking of that that's an ecosystem that's been there for 10 years. Um yeah. It was some little guardian, like it's like you didn't fucking ask me if you could change this, my yard. <laughs> yeah. Well, um that was was right on a, a river and I had a weird a river, a, a lake. Um, and I had 
I'd connected with the spirit of, of that lake. And um, when, when I connected with the spirit of that lake was, was during the first lockdown uh, and, and I wasn't anywhere near it when I did it. And I was uh-huh. like, you got to connect with you and do stuff. And then I end up in the, this property across the road from the lake. Uh, and when, when I first spoke with her, uh, I'd got that she wanted coconuts. And, and I have this thing of hatred against people who have palm trees uh, in beachy areas in Australia. Like we're not Hawaii. Like Why? it's trying to be like what you've seen on tv uh and and so people around the lake particularly i'm like why are you growing palm trees like this is just stupid and then i connect with with the lake uh and and she tells me she wants she wants coconuts and (laughs) and i'm like well this clearly isn't my mind coming up with this uh and and so when when I moved there, the first thing I did was like water a, a coconut and then cracked it into the water and, and did it. And I was like, I, I don't understand why I like what's a coconut. But anyway, <laughs> and, and she thought they were fancy, so she wanted a coconut. And uh, as soon as I did it, uh, this big rainbow appeared over the lake. Uh, <laughs> and um, I had a prompt that she wanted another coconut later on. I gave her another coconut. I said, you've... Uh, and and it, at that prompt had been it's been too long. Uh, you should have given me one sooner. And, and I was like, okay, uh, I want to develop language. You show me a coconut when you want a coconut. Uh, and when I hacked out those ferns, guess what was uh, on the ground? Uh, a coconut shell uh, was underneath all those ferns. That <laughs> was that was like. You better pay me now. <laughs> that's right. Figure and this was up a big hill. There's no like palm trees anywhere nearby. It's like I don't know how a coconut got there. It just manifested there. Or a decade ago, somebody <laughs> was having a coconut and left it in their garden. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It it's it's spooked. I went and bought a coconut and gave a wobble a coconut. <laughs> next day um yeah it was bizarre that's really fortunate that you had already made contact and knew like what you needed to do though like because when you're shaking and you're like something if you're a practitioner like i've had this happen you know and like like i know what it feels like when something's fucking with me but like yeah. didn't really click that i did something where you broke like some kind of you know you you you've offended someone and so yeah. the diagnostic process while you're in that state of like, uh, I'm shaking and I can't think right. And I'm like, I don't feel well. Like, <laughs> like, I know I need to do something to fix this, but how do I figure it out when I can't get my head on straight? Like, <laughs> it's best. Yeah. Uh, so now I, 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 I talk to my lawn before I'm out. I talk to them <laughs> and say, tomorrow I'm doing this. Uh, with the lawn, sometimes it's not that I'll just be like talking to it as I'm doing it, Cohen. This is just to make you beautiful, make people love you. <laughs> I love you how you are, but other people don't. <laughs> to, the, to the weeds of the garden, it's kind of like, like this garden has been installed here for like decades, like maybe hundreds of years. Uh, not in the same spot, but it's like the 
the like quote unquote weeds, right? That grow here. They know the score. They know that like they know that there's going to be like this much food area grown here. And it's been that way for a long time. Like there's actually less room for that now than there ever has been. So I think there's there's like a, a nod, but but when it's like a, a your home property that becomes like a flow where it's like I feel like a little bit less necessary to like each individual instance. Like if you're always giving and always receiving, um, there kind of becomes just like an understanding. But it's like if it's not your fucking place, if you don't have that kind of relationship, you like really do have to kind of be formal about things sometimes. Yeah, well, with this case with the ferns, like uh, I I hadn't done anything to anything there till mm-hmm. that moment. Like that was the first time I I cut. Uh, yeah there too so uh we'd been there a while but i i hadn't hadn't mowed the grass like we had a guy that had been organized before when it was rental that just come and and mowed it and, and he just kept doing it because it was just a gigantic mess of a place that was like i can't <laughs> you need a ride on to do the back bit and and we I, I didn't have a way of getting one to there or anything like that so i was just like yep and then it was like, okay, it's, it's time. I need to do some maintenance here, and uh, and that happened. So, okay. <laughs> and it's like having a a neighbor that you live next to for years that just one day just comes over and shaves your head. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, it was. And actually, now that we're talking about it. Uh, at the the end of the time we were there, like I I got the the guy that was um, mowing the yard, I got him. Actually, no, I got a different guy uh, to come and and clear out all these trees to make it look like really nice there. Uh, and he, he cleared out all the trees, and he's like, he left all the all the dead wood there uh, because of the next door neighbor had a bonfire pit and I was like, yeah, I'll just, just burn it, uh, save some money. And I was in the middle of the night dragging all the bits of wood over to the fire. And uh, it was a nightmare of a job, much bigger than I thought. But the very first night that I did it, uh, I'd cut my shin. And this is like a couple of years ago now. I've still got a mark that's like, that's healing. <laughs> So that, that might be another layer of that. It paid me, paid me back. Uh, not sure if it's going to show up on it. No, it seems not. Oh, yes. There. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And I, I didn't think a branch scraping your shin should leave a scar. It, it wasn't like a big open wound. It was just like a scratch. scratch but Years later, uh, it's still there. Every time we wear shorts, I'm like, "Shoot, just got him to take that away." <laughs> Shit, burning it off there, um, and, and maybe that was part of the problem was it was burning it rather than letting it be buried in waste. Uh, I would have thought burning it on the property was a more nicer spiritual thing to do. I wonder if you had mulched it or something like, or yeah, or, or, um, or maybe made a, um, 
I'm blanking on like what's that a compost pile with it. Yeah. If if that would have been because you were at least returning the energy that that it had spent growing, you'd really at least returning it to the the soil around it. It was weird too. Some of the trees were like like dead, but yeah. they'd have a, a branch on them that was alive and and would bud with flowers. But the whole rest of the tree, like from the stump and everything, looked dead. <laughs> mm. I, I could never understand how the one branch could live. It's yeah, amazing. Tre- <laughs> yeah, tre- trees are odd like that because you, you there's some that were like the entire center will be hollow, but then there's still living branches on the on the outskirts while the center has mm. been eaten away. Uh, yeah, well, that's great. what this was like. Yeah. It, it had just been eaten out by white ants, termites. No. It had a branch that was alive. Hmm. Probably should have saved that branch. Yeah, that sounds like uh, good material. That's what I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I let it scar me instead. Got an with brain. Like... <laughs> Maybe that scar has magical powers now, though. You never know. Maybe, maybe I'll just rub my shin on people and see what it does. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I have uh, somewhere in it's in my blog. Uh, I had this experience in New Orleans where I was when I was a musician, and I like I don't know how many years ago. I think 2014, 15, somewhere around there. And I was like, I had changed my name to like. Yeah, no, I didn't realize this was a problem at the time, like culturally speaking, but I, I changed to Shasha Shaman. Um, like I just liked that. I just was like, it sounds like you're you're like uh like a bullshitter or something. Like I like this like snake oil salesman vibe. Um uh for like a stage act and then not really an act, but you know, just sort of uh, those that sort of uh, aesthetic or whatever. And uh and so the first show I played when I made this set, because it was like, it's a joke, but it's also like, I do want my performing to stand for something. Like I want it to be that I'm like giving it my all and losing my shit up there. And it gives everyone else permission to like feel whatever it is they feel because there's someone else being more ridiculous and more like, like vulnerable than them. Um, and so I make this proclamation myself and I go, and I do this shit and I like take my shoes off because I'm doing like a loop pedal thing with multiple instruments and a couple synths and stuff at the time. And, and, and like, oh, I forgot to tell the sound guy one thing. So I just jumped down off the stage real quick, just take just to take one more step after I jumped down to tell the sound guy something. And I land right in some fucking glass uh, on the bottom of like in the arch. of my. It's like right here, but it's like pretty much faded away now. Um, and uh and it was like I've got pictures of it somewhere still. And this guy that I don't didn't know or anything, uh, like my my friend came up with a cup, so I was catching the blood in the cup and like took it out, and somebody grabbed a band aid, and this guy came up and dipped his finger in my blood and put a cross on my forehead, and I was like, this is something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I went and played the set like 
hobbling, you know, using the wounded foot to tap the pedals. And it was like, I don't, it was probably terrible. I'm sure I was drunk, but like the, the declaration had been made, blood had been spilled. I had been marked. It was a very strange. And then like, it was, you know, quite a few more years of like addiction hell before I came out of it and started like consciously adopting a spiritual practice. But it's a little fucking weird to me. <laughs> and and so, but the 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 further I've come along on my spiritual journey, this like trauma pain in that point of my foot that makes me like feel weird when I walk and like have to kind of walk funny a little bit has been slowly working its way closer to my toes. And like I'm feeling it less and less the more I like go heavy with my practice. It's really fucking weird. That is weird. <laughs> Uh, it's it's like uh, a, it's like you you have to fulfill this now and then the the reminder goes away like it's it's really strange on on the meridian system that point is like kidney one uh the bubbling well it is yeah where fear sits as well so like the fear of of messing with a spiritual thing was was literally injected into you <laughs> in that moment as well. Oh, it also was when I was a child with like big abduction dreams at a very young age. So it's really interesting. Yeah, that's that input helps a lot with the uh what that point means. It actually really yeah, that fits. That's funny. Uh, it's exit points up here. <laughs> Oh, you mean where I have the broken collarbone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That didn't heal right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you can, you can like, shit. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. Boop. Yeah. The, the lumpy spot on that, that's, that's the, the exit point. So, exit did point. that happen after? Uh, let me think uh, I think no that was before yeah sorry my hope most most of my life up until like 35 is pretty much a blur so <laughs> years uh, but I remember what car I crashed so yeah yes yeah that was a uh, it was, yeah, it was that one first. I got, I got to run to get more coffee. Um, I, I'm curious, Brian, if uh, much like Lance has this weird pain connection with Pi, if you have a weird pain connection with Die Hard because of the running across. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know the scene I'm talking about. That spot on my foot started itching when you said it. <laughs> but like up until this moment, the answer was no. So thanks. Did you take your shoes off because you had jet lag? <laughs> <laughs> Rub your toes in the carpet. Was it Christmas? <laughs> Soapbox. Causing film curses since <laughs> come to the show, they said it'll be a good time. They said, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> so what uh what sort of um minister preacher is is your your wife oh uh she is a uh a priest with the danish uh like the danish uh crown church um so it's just like the official church of denmark uh which is protestant um uh lutheran uh, cool. yeah yeah it's a just a couple parishes she tends to and they're like really small we're out in a village in the country and it's nice quiet wow. but uh but it's really cool i, I like uh <laughs> i think there are a lot of priests in that church like there's some that don't even believe in god like openly and there are some that are um that are kind of just hosting i think quite a quite a few and then some are very old fashioned and conservative. Some are extremely liberal, like it's all over the place, but um, it's cool because she has kind of a, she has an esoteric background. So there's, she, uh, she likes to look deeper and like her, her subjects in theology were um, really fascinating things that I wish I understood well enough or like had <laughs> the capacity to remember the references well enough to talk about, but like, um, I'm still learning Danish, so I can't read her thesis. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but she had some stuff about the the sons of God, and um, that's really interesting. And and uh, yeah, I don't I don't want to say anything because it's also like <laughs> I don't know what she plans to do with some of those ideas either. Yeah. Long but uh, yeah, she's brilliant and and like tends to bring some interesting questions that you can tell like people in these rural villages actually appreciate which is really it's really refreshing like people come and thank her for for writing things that are like thought-provoking or challenging for her sermons rather than just like you know anecdotes from her personal life or something that's nice and 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 friendly like she really actually kind of pushes people to think and she's sometimes nervous that she's going a little bit too far and it always usually works out but it's it's really exciting to see and be like it's interesting. I I feel like I'm she's uh she's this like saintly beacon of light type person and I'm very like <laughs> I'm in the darkness. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's an it's an it's an interesting thing we got going on. <laughs> Do any of the parishioners know like your slant on things? I I don't think so. I don't no, there's there's one guy in the church council who, like, we all went to a church service as like a big group uh, at another parish one day, and and like the the bells ringing, like they're getting ready to start, and he's finishing up telling me a story about him on acid, uh, <laughs> like in the seventies, and I'm just like, this is my dude, like this is my people, I like this guy, uh, and and he like noticed one of my Buddhist amulets, and he was like. Oh, that's and he like raises his eyebrows. Oh, that's that's nice. Uh, and the way he said it was kind of like a he knows this is more than just jewelry. <laughs> like, um, but other than that, I don't think that many people have that kind of um, imaginal. Like, I don't think they think that stuff is even real. So if someone was into it, it would be kind of like okay, 
and people tend to stay out of each other's business for the most part uh even though there's small towns and everything's like it's like i'm the american you know like for miles like uh but uh yeah i don't think that it's something that would be even taken seriously if people did no necessarily yeah. And also a lot of people around here, not that many people speak good enough English that I don't think they could really like track so much of the podcast, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't found it. <laughs> does does Denmark have like a Sedona? Oh like, you know, like a little new age town or some something. It's possible. <laughs> I, I think there's just like um kind of like solitary heathens and witches and, and people that do the old ways, like living on their own little uh, little plot or something here and there. But it, I haven't met very many people. And it's it's hard when you're not fluent. Um, but yeah, I haven't met very many people. I know there's like a weird like collective co-op living area outside of Copenhagen that's like yes. a whole bunch of hippies and anarchists and yeah that's mm, it's not so idyllic as far as like the way that things are run there but yeah that's that's Christiania um that's it yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's a really nice place but it's also where uh like you go there to buy weed and they have stands and there's like um, but like it's weird because families and tourists go there and shit too to see people bringing their kids there and um like Americans they're just like yeah look there's so much weed everywhere um and uh but the whole thing is it's like not the people behind that aren't the good people that live there it's like mm. and controlled from what I understand um so there's just kind of yeah I guess it was a um a military base and then it got taken over and turned into an anarchist commune ah oh. once it was abandoned or something yeah what a that's a what an interesting trajectory yeah it's it's odd thankfully they have signs everywhere that say no hard drugs and they like don't tolerate anything more than weed and alcohol there at all so like generally speaking it's it's a pretty safe place, uh, but it's like, uh, from what from what I understand, uh, the like police will come through just like as a, it's almost like a a tradition. It's this weird relationship where the, the cops walk through and like everyone runs and hides everything and like they'll throw things in dumpsters and just be like, <laughs> uh, and they have lookouts that yell. Uh, but they're like always looking out because they just like pass through and they usually don't catch anybody. And if they do, it's like, it's not ending anything. Like this thing is always going to be what it is. And it's just weird. Like they're wasting money sending cops to in time. Because, like, but I mean, there's not that much crime in Denmark. So it's not like in the States where you're like, shouldn't you be solving murders? Like, it's like <laughs> no, actually, not really. Does Australia have a version of that Sedona? Do you know what I'm talking about, Lance? Yeah, um, Nimbin, it's called, and there's like pictures of the marijuana leaf everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I die, and 
they they actually have a a weed festival uh every year and the cops show up for it and, and the cops are there uh and they just arrest people if they're selling drugs but they won't arrest people that are like smoking a joint walking down the street uh, it's it's a bizarre thing it's like yeah we'll uh we'll pretend you just found that or it's just a cigarette but uh if we see you selling it we'll we'll step in <laughs> uh, but i think people like sell like hash cookies and stuff like that there and seem to get away with it too so i don't know but it's all starting to become legal here like like everywhere else now anyway like this the medical prescriptions you can get and whatever so i wouldn't be surprised in a year or two if it's just that legalized thing so it can be taxed and yeah all the rest uh but yeah but sedona uh why it's like it it's supposed to be one of the chakras of of the earth and so australia that is uluru uh, the, the giant rock in the middle of the country um and that's like meant to be the earth's root chakra or something i think um, I, i've never been there it's been on my to-do list for the last nine years i've told myself well i want to go to that portal and feel its energy but it's a really big drive <laughs> haven't um where yes yeah, sedona i think i'm not sure at a guess i'm to say third eye chakra sort of thing or something they've, they've labeled them all as what what they are and Matt Shaster and, and all the rest of these big energetic places around the world it's supposed to be on, on ley lines and classed as like a chakra of earth but I've never been to any of them so I can't comment you, what are what are the other ones I don't I don't even know if I I probably have heard of them and not even realized um I'm pretty sure Stonehenge is where one is. Um, and I can't remember the rest. But I think there's like two for each chakra sort of thing. Like there's, there's 14 of these massive energy centers around the world. Mm. Uh, but I've, other than like looking at some random Google page that was probably just made by some stoned hippie, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I've got zero fact-checking abilities on that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't think any of the websites looked like they were um, from a credible source. <laughs> to say. That's why it's been on my to-do list for the last uh, nine years is to go to the one that I can have access to and, and feel and see what that's, yeah. that's about. But it's, it's also just a deeply spiritual place, so it's going to have energy. So I'll, I'd still walk away going, well, that could just be the the consciousness of of that that rock that yeah in that animus framework of like we can't help but feel it because it's it's a huge thing and for eons people have travelled to it to to do ritual so there's going to be magical energy there uh, and I think that's the same same deal with Stonehenge if I went there and felt a heap of energy I'd be like well ritual was done here who knows how many times so am I just feeling the residue of magical activity that's happened here or is it the land um, and, and depending on how long I had there to see what sort of connection I could have um, 
I, I, I wouldn't know. And and honestly, with Uluru, I don't know if I'd feel comfortable trying to ask those questions of how much of this is you and how much of this is ritual that's being done here because that's none of my business to ask. And the, yeah. with, with the energies around Australia, pretty intense, especially for um, my blood that doesn't belong here in, in that sense that... Uh, I that that's one of the ones I'd, I'd go to go thank you I feel a lot here this is wonderful you're beautiful um see you later mm. um it's there there has been countless stories of people that like you're not meant to take any rocks from there and people take rocks from there and and report like they're cursed and when they send the rock back the curse gets lifted um, that story is huge around Uluru. So that kind of thing as well just says if you're not part of the ritual, you don't get to ask about the ritual. Like empty your a, boots up before you get back in the car too. That's a, there's that? a empty your boots out before you get back in the car. Yes, 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 dust off. <laughs> there's a there's a it's funny, there's that exact same thing with the volcanic rock and the volcano in Hawaii. Uh, whatever the main vol- active volcano there is, because people will take, you're not supposed to, but people will take some of the lava rock that's around it and take it home with them and end up cursed as shit. And so they're constantly getting rocks mailed back to Hawaii <laughs> to go to that. <laughs> yeah, and that, that sort of thing I find interesting. And I... Uh, because I work with the mind, with with hypnotherapy, I, I also wonder how much of that is is that suggestion if somebody's heard that and their yeah. mind curses themselves in that sense. And and, and because I have, have an animus frame of mind as well, I also wonder about the actual other side of it. If it gone, you don't get to like clip bits off me and take it away. Yeah. Uh, ever I found somebody taking my like toenail clippings from my bin or my hair clippings or <laughs> what I've shaved off my face if I have uh, I would probably run after them down the street going well, what are you doing with that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send something up you if you keep walking with that uh, so I can see what Zolan would do it too sure um we've been like just over three hours now i think it might be a good place to ask if you want to tell everyone where they can find you we'll put everything in the show notes obviously but uh it's also good to um it's it's just pretty easy to google me lance and reiki or hypnosis the things i've said they'll find all the details (laughs) 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 what was that sorry love it when that part's easy <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's lots of different things. Um, yeah, they'll find it if they want it. <laughs> <laughs> we can be talking about a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on IMDb and look up pie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I have one extra story about pie that I also found really interesting uh, that I'd heard years ago. 
because it was his first film and, and he was pretty much still just a film student. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have the cash to do it. And instead of going to studios and trying to sell his idea, he, he essentially invented crowdfunding. Uh, he wrote a form letter to everybody he knew, asked them for a hundred bucks, told them they'd get the credit at the end of the movie as an investor. And if the movie made money, he'd give them 150 bucks. Uh, and everybody got 150 bucks back. Plus he maxed out credit cards. Uh, but heaps of his money he got from that. And so they just made this form letter and sent it and um, sent it out to everybody they knew. Like, I went to school with this kid. His mum's getting a letter. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, th- I found that really cool that he's like, he had the passion to make it and and he, he did that. He's, he made a comment later on that he, he would have made more money if he just invented Kickstarter instead. Um, but <laughs> he decided to make a movie. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I liked that, that normal everyday people in his life got money from it. Uh, he, he made sure everybody got paid back. Uh, and, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And I think with some of it, he he got some people that he was super close to to get credit cards that he maxed out as well. I know he got a heap of credit cards that he maxed out and had to had to pay back. Uh, I like hearing stories like that that people like invest everything they've got and ask favors of everybody they know to do something they love and it and it pays off. Uh, and it gets there. Kevin Smith did the same sort of thing with Clerks. Um, yeah. Not asking her, he just sold his comics and now he has a comic shop. <laughs> um, but I like that. Uh, he invested so hard and it paid off. And I'm, knows to- I'm, I'm much happier that he, he made Pi and not Kickstarter. I'll take Pi over... The entirety of Kickstarter, he'll be. Well, lost the rest of his career too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I backed a few things on Kickstarter, and none of it uh, I've really liked. <laughs> 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 or it has not turned out to be what I thought. Or it didn't turn up. One thing I backed didn't turn up, and I still got charged. One of my bad. Oh, yeah, that's common. Yeah. One of my bands funded one of our tours that way. And that was fun. We made no money on the tour, but we like we broke even and spent our own all of our own money and had a great time and made memories that we'll get to keep. So that's <laughs> that's too good. Yeah. <laughs> you got paid <laughs> with experience. Yeah. That most of it you don't remember because of what you consumed on the tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Life of musicians. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I enjoyed talking. Yeah, no, this has been awesome. Yeah, this about, is, about this the movie. And, and it, uh, it was good talking about magical interferences with crossovers and everything else. I <laughs> uh, hope people enjoy. Yeah. That's, I really appreciate your time and for bringing, bringing the, uh, Bring that like real thing that you're going through to, to the, uh, yeah, I think that that's just really powerful. I really appreciate that. And, and thanks for the, uh, 
the insight to my like foot thing like <laughs> i'm gonna have to sit with like that meaning the fear part that's interesting yeah um appreciate that and that might give you some other avenues to release or transmute mm-hmm. what that is yeah how to a, get the way out of the foot there's a lot of a lot of stuff coming up right now so it's i'm sure it's related just don't confront your dr- demons by like a drill to your head <laughs> it's fisher price it's just plastic <laughs> that'd be okay then. just drop a lot of hammers on your on your toes that would be that would be the equivalent maybe i don't know <laughs> i'll just get a wooden leg it's fine <laughs> All right. No, stub your toe on risers constantly. God damn. Then, then it'll be like some pirate curse you get. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want a pirate curse as well. It's it's just for appropriation, though. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't part of our culture, aren't? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Lance. Maybe we'll Thank come. You. Kira, the the manga at some point. Akira. Yeah, yeah, I, I come talk Kira. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> Cheers. See you later. Uh-huh.